Hi everybody, welcome to FNS Wrestling Podcast episode 79. I am your host back in the basement with my co-host, Teenage Son. That guy over there, it's Jack. Say hi, Jack. No, you're that guy over there. I am that yeah. guy over here. Sup, peeps. Um, so, I don't know what's new with us. We are finishing up isolating, I guess, because... Not my fault. There's not actually COVID in the house, but... Your little brother came home from our first day back at school after a brief online learning stint, right? We made it one day. He came home with multiple symptoms of COVID, a headache and a sore throat. So we gave him a COVID test. He tested negative. But due to the protocols where we live, that means all four of us are off school and work isolating for five days. So Mm -hmm. we thought we'd just gotten out of the whole like, hey, we're going back to school. I literally got one day. One day. So we are back. And then I we get one day before nothing. Right. And then we go back to work and school on Tuesday. But then it's culminating and stuff. And then yes, the end of the semester for you. So that kind of things slow down. You might get a couple more days off if you're caught up in all your work because your school has gotten rid of exams for high school students this year. So and last year. So Anyways, we're just sort of, everybody's fine, everybody's healthy. Basically, um, Nate, your brother, took the children's Advil, right, and was fine. Like, I was was a bit nervous because he looked rough when we got home. Um, He wasn't gaming, right, which was a sign there was something wrong, and then he was just in his bed, so he looked pretty bad, took a couple Advil, and then rebounded really quickly and has been fine ever since, but we're just trying to do what we're supposed to do to keep everybody safe, so we've just been isolating. It did get me out of a test, so it did I'll, get you I'll out of a, it. out of a geography test, right? So we've just been sort of homebound and hanging out here, so I don't know what else, what's new in your week of... Cat birthday yesterday. Oh, yes, our cat turned six yesterday. That's a big deal. You went out and got her a present before we were isolating, obviously. Which yeah, she... I think the only day that I could have or was it no day before I don't know it was before we isolated I think it was Tuesday so you went out and grabbed her some toys and things which she seemed to appreciate and play with uh one of them was in her water this morning some birds showed up even though it's the dead of winter like they knew it was her birthday right outside her favorite window for her to she still didn't not really that interested ironically enough was not it's because she's a cat and I wanted her to be excited about it so cats go nah too right, bad human right. yeah, we yeah. do what we want which i respect but yeah so she had a lovely day of napping wherever she wanted to like every other day of her life so and then i don't know anything else exciting happened this week with us uh can't think of it no no i can't think of anything either so i don't think so you guys did get a snowboarding day before the isolation which was good because we got what was it uh three months worth of snow in 16 hours or something like that so Oh, yeah. Lots of snow for right. us. Where Otherwise, we, right we would now. have been at school on That's Monday right. and Tuesday. Right, I forgot that about that. That is correct. We had that snow, so much snow buses were canceled for two days, even though it didn't snow the second day, right? So yeah. it was pretty it was weird. Pretty interesting. But anyways, I think we might have mentioned that last week. I think it happened on Saturday. So if I'm repeating myself, I apologize. But when you haven't left the house for several days, there's not much new to report. I don't know. Does that mean we should move on to talking about some wrestling already? think so i think so too we watched a lot of wrestling this week i even got you to sort of watch impact wrestling right so you'll have oh yeah maybe the odd contribution when we get there but anyways i say we start talking about wrestling now and that is our first segment which is always looking at the week's news and rumors so taking a quick look at the ratings tuesday's live edition of wwe NXT 2.0 drew 587,000 viewers 
down 9.27% and earned a 0.11 in the key demo, which is down 21.42%. So this was the third lowest audience since the NXT 2.0 rebranding. And I think I've got it in a news story later on that there's some backstage rumblings that people are not happy with the way NXT 2.0 is going in terms of viewership and stuff like that. Who but we'll isn't? get to Come can't, on. can't imagine who's not loving this fabulous uh, brand. And then to contrast that, Wednesday's live AEW Dynamite drew 1.032 million viewers. So they went up 6.5% and earned a 0.44 rating in that key demographic, which is up 12.82%. And they actually, just a little note I added here, they defeated Raw in that key demo rating, which I always like to see. And I'm sure Vince hates to see, so that it makes me even happier about it. They ranked number one in the cable top 150 this week with that 0.44. And they drew their best audience since the second anniversary episode on October 6th. So all in all, a pretty good numbers for Dynamite. Not so good for NXT, which kind of makes sense to me at least, right? Yep. And then I thought I'd do my periodic check-in on Impact, right? So just off of um, a pretty well-received hard-to-kill pay-per-view and this ROH invasion that they're sort of um, experimenting with here, I thought I'd take a look. So Thursday, it was a taped edition of Impact Wrestling. It drew, it makes me giggle every time, 126,000 viewers, which isn't many. I shouldn't laugh. Um, it's up 13.51%, and they earned a 0 0.03 in the key demographic. So almost up 14%. It seems like maybe they're seeing a little bit of an uptick from the probably that pay-per-view that, I mean, I, I gave it a C plus because I didn't enjoy the second half of it, but I've since seen a lot of people really like the entire show, so... And that being coupled with ROH kind of showing up, I guess, has helped them a little bit, which is good. I, I would like all wrestling to do well, I guess. It's good for... I think, like, another part of them, the ROH people showing up is because there's not really... What else are they doing? Right. They don't have anywhere else to be right now. But, yeah, it's not the ROH people I would have chosen to have in Impact. But, anyways, it's it's something a little bit different and, I guess, interesting for people. What do you have for us? Um. Well, probably one of the biggest talking points of the week was <laughs> Walter's new name on nxt after defeating roderick strong he said the winner of the match is gunter yeah so gunter. we'll get to that in my review gunter. and then gunter. why don't you talk about what the last name was gunter. and what happened with that so they went with like gunter stark which is a nazi nazi uh u-boat commander or something commander. like that i think yeah. so basically nazi name so and basically they either did absolutely zero research on this or they did and they didn't care which makes it almost worse so either way they look incredibly stupid here um what are your thoughts on this name change and all of the i think it's probably one of my least favorite name changes they've ever done like i pretty much dislike them doing it every time um but this one's just really stupid like he's always been walter he was a champion for over 100 days as walter right. he competed as walter like two weeks ago on the show he's been walter his real name was walter so i get that's why they changed it i guess because they want to yes, control of his name but i think i think it's so stupid especially because of how poorly researched it was right and that's I, I we were talking about it before sort of off the air this is i think an indication of how they feel about nxt uk right like they think that nobody watches this which might be true i don't know but no but i feel like i, I don't know he's he, it's walter yeah i try not to let much wwe does bother me anymore but this one really did bother me like this is a guy who ha is recognized around the world by the name Walter 
Um, he's been on your product wrestling multiple times right. in North if, America. Like, it's like because he was in on UK as Walter, like, and they don't care about right. that. But like, literally, like at the beginning of this month, he was right. on the show as Walter. He had he one of your before. best received matches of 2020, right? Um, with Dragonov on your and main... 2021 as well, because there that was the rematch. And so just yeah, it's very very frustrating. Which was they're, in the U.S. too. They're clearly back into this mode of we will give you a name so that we own that name and the rights going forward. Um, this one really bothers me. I think Walter is my favorite WWE performer right now so yes jack is pulling out his now i have the own probably the only walter figure in existence now a walter elite figure still in the packaging yeah because i actually got a second one but i mean i'm glad my my roster is so up to date that i already have gunter right so that's pretty cool so apparently they've already dropped the trademark on um the full name what was it gunther stark or whatever yeah so apparently they've realized their mistake there which a five second google search would have cleared up right, right? like i don't I, understand I, I can literally do that right now but i don't know if i want to but do that. um so anyways they've dropped that trademark he is gunther i i hate it i try not to use that word very often i try and limit your use of that word but i truly do hate this decision and the result yeah of it's this. one of my least favorite name changes they've ever done i think a lot of them are like sometimes it's like i i think antonio cesaro to cesaro sure biggie yep. langston was lame um alexander rusev that's that not great um and i will Adrian give you neville like but i i hate i always dislike things like buddy murphy or now angel garza and humberto carrillo just drop their last names right. or or oh one of my least favorite ones along with walter was the viking raiders that one was stupid so there was a chance i think a good chance that they were going to reduce walter to just one name anyways so i guess they're just a little bit because they seem to love doing that right right so maybe i mean it's just he was a bit already walter like that. come right. on but yeah, I, and I give you grief sometimes because you just refuse to call people by their new names. Like you refuse to call Riddle Riddle for a while. He was no, still he's Matt Riddle. No, he's Matt Riddle. That one's stupid too. Cause like, it's like you could like I don't. Know, it's not that different. Why can't you just call him Matt Riddle? I feel like just Riddle as a name is stupid too. I'm not. I'm never calling him. Riddle. So despite me giving you grief for doing that, I will probably continue to call Walter Walter for quite a while I because I just always, no. I'm gonna call him Walter for as long as I freaking can. My own personal protest. To yeah, this stupidity. exactly. I'm gonna go with that for as long as I can. They've tried to just sort of kill the recognition of what I think is one of the best talents they have in that whole company. Oh, myself. oh, but Bearcat Lee. That was also a, stupid. Yeah, that's another one. That's really bad. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so my other news item so far is that Sami Zayn apparently has re-signed with WWE, which I think was kind of expected. So word is from Fightful Select that he signed a multi-year contract with WWE. No word on the exact length of the deal, but it could be most likely for three years because that seems to be what most talent are signing for recently including Zane's like best friend in real life right Kevin Owens last month so again there isn't room for everyone in AEW uh Sami Zayn is an intelligent person who's been in this industry forever so if he believes this is what's best for himself and his family I fully support him and am happy with him because I'm yeah. sure he had options right and this is what he's chosen for himself so good for him um a little disappointing that he's staying in the yeah, roster. Yeah, I think it but... just sucks because I don't think he'll ever make it big anymore. I think he'll always be my car. Because I feel like he kind of had potential to be like a Daniel Bryan-esque world yep. champion. Like, I feel like I agree. given the right circumstance, they could totally make him like universal champion or something, but they'll never do that. No. And I think this heel run is, he was good in that heel run. I think 2020 was a great year for him when he was doing that shtick. But I think like Seth Rollins, it's 
Seth freaking Rollins. No, I'm not doing that. You have to. That was stupid. Nope, that that was stupid too. Um, but like Rollins, they're I feel like their heel sticks have gotten stale, especially with Rollins now in this program with Roman Reigns. I really think that he needs to go back to full face. I think the whole drip god thing needs to kind of wane. And I feel like they if Rollins, I don't think Rollins would win at Rumble. I feel like he could maybe beat Roman at Mania again, like in a rematch. Yes. I could but see like, that. say Rollins wins at the Rumble, they seem to be kind of teasing like, oh, if Rollins wins, then the him and Owens will face off at Mania. And I could see if Rollins goes full face, then Owens goes full heel again, and then you have a a revitalization of the Owens Rollins feud from 2016. Right, it's but all it's I all think, possible. I I think that's good for him, probably like financially and whatnot. Yep. But I feel like it's I I don't know how much he's gonna get done. And there's something to be said for um like the grass isn't always greener, right? He <laughs> yeah. knows WWE. He knows how to maneuver within their system. He knows what to expect. He's probably making pretty good money, and he's comfortable, and he doesn't have to. Some people might think he's insane, huh? You might don't have to move your family or uproot any of your lifestyle. So I get it. Um, and yeah, just because you mentioned it, I was listening to a raw review podcast, and they were just so annoyed with how. It's now Seth freaking Rollins every time commentary mentions him. Apparently, oh, like they it's never so just bad. they never just call him Seth Rollins. Now you have no, to throw in the freaking the worst part. So I thought that was that was fine. I was like he's like sometimes I'm like Seth freaking Rollins, and right. that, that's fine. I thought it was fine. Like I thought it was good even, but like I don't think it belongs in his actual name every time. I don't need to see it in writing every time. I don't need to hear it every time I. I hear his name if he wants to use it himself or if people representing him want to use it right as like emphasis fine but commentary like using his, it, it every time in is his actual name right, right. it's so I would agree. stupid uh what else do you have for us um chris jericho tr- filed a trademark for gfy which he used on um dynamite he which is basically just go f yourself right which and he even says it like that too like he said to eddie kingston you can gfy yes which i thought was so stupid yeah, it's not doesn't seem worthwhile to me to be doing that but also i don't know maybe he's like got plans weird jericho thing uh mustafa ali has asked for his ww release which you'd think would be no problem because right. they release like 80 people a year which, right but so, now they're refusing to release right them. so the second part there is fightful's reporting that wwe has no plans to grant him his release so that's unfortunate because he would be a guy that could do a lot of things elsewhere pretty much anywhere elsewhere one of the be- he was one of the best ones in the cruiserweight division when that was prominent he's a good wrestler he's got a cool actual story in real life that they have sort of teased going with and then just abandoned right as a former police officer i think they did have officer. big plans from remember because yes. the kofi mania was hurt, supposed right? to be him i don't know if like he would have won and everything but like at least that was like at least a plan for him at one point right and he's a talented wrestler obviously um so unfortunately it doesn't look like he's gonna be released i don't know when his contract ends but he's stuck with wwe it's funny you, you've got one story where a guy's choosing to resign and another story where a guy wants out and can't get out right mm, yeah that's funny anything else um there was another pre-smackdown dark match featuring the nxt book uh, featuring the NXT boys. Yep. Uh, but this time it was Roderick Strong and LA Knight with LA Knight going over, which I figured. I am. LA Knight seems like a guy they would be interested in. He does. He very much is. I think I describe him in my NXT review later as Dollar Store Rock at this point, right? It's very. I find him 
And it's funny because I used to, when he was Eli Drake and in like Impact and other places, I'd be like, he's really good on the mic, you oh, know? but I I'm just tired Eli of Drake. him now. Yeah. I don't know. There's something has, has worn out yeah, for me I don't about know. it. I, I remember too when he was there. I loved Eli Drake. I thought he was because, oh, it's funny that he was feuding with Grimes actually. I remember because yes, weren't they, they were affiliated. Yeah. Yep. I think. And then also Caleb with a K. Caleb with a K. Caleb Conley. Um, Way back. One of your favorites, I really like him too. You you like him more, but Buddy Matthew, Matthews, FKA uh, Buddy Murphy. Whoa, whoa. It was Murphy, so, right? So when I made these notes, um, it was saying he was going to make his MLW debut in Dallas. So I don't know if he has at this point. I think he would have. I, um, I, I think it was advertised for Blood and Thunder. It is. It's supposed to be at MLW Blood and Thunder. And it's he's taking advantage of MLW's open door policy. So I don't think the implication is that he's necessarily signed with MLW. But he's taking advantage of their policy of you can Man, come in and wrestle. Waste. He could have killed it in WWE. He could, um, but he's a bit short, I think, is the problem, right? Huh. He's not a huge man. He's, so. I, I I would like to see him in AEW or something. I think he'd do good there. He's terrific. I don't want him in impacts. I think he's above that. I think there's quite a ceiling in there. There is. I think he'd actually fit pretty well in impact. Cause his I think so, but I just feel character like Character work's like not great. In ring, lot, he's awesome. There's a lot of a ceiling there, I feel like, yeah. and, which is just not great. But AEW, it's like how much room is there for him, right? He'd so. be an awesome X Division um, can, competitor yeah uh, anything else yeah um so there's a couple of more couple segments uh confirmed for beach break next week so right. the updated card is cm punk will address the crowd which is probably mjf related yeah um and also burt baker will address the crowd which is something i don't know what that's <laughs> not be. nothing brother um and then the matches uh we'll have next week are we have inner circle which is jericho um santana ortiz versus garcia in 2.0 uh red velvet versus layla hirsch which is a later edition uh ladder match which is uh cody rose versus sammy guevara for tnt title mm -hmm. with, again even though one of them's an interim champion two weeks interim. and then the lights out match between cool and orange cassidy so i don't find that a super stacked card you know I what think i mean it's pretty good i mean i think the two matches are kind of like just limit Jericho's time in the ring in that match, and I'm fine. Yeah, no, that match looks good, and the, I think the latter match will probably be great. Yeah, despite how we feel about the interim <laughs> yeah. nonsense. And I feel like it's kind of random, but I think like, the lights out match will be really good. Yeah, those, I think so too. Those have good track record. Yeah, they'll find something to do with it. So yeah, that's, at least it's mm -hmm. another sort of special episode, which AEW tends to deliver on, so I'm, I'm uh, hopeful uh, that it'll be fun yeah, to watch. Yeah, um, beach break at the end of January. Yeah, in Chicago, right? Which is Johnny Gargano's uh, No, it home. was Cleveland. Or Cleveland? Yeah. So do we think Gargano's... I don't uh, I, I don't think, think he is. Change. Maybe he beats up Cole. Mm -hmm. I think he stays in WWE is my hunch. Why I have no reason. I don't... I, I know, like, child and baby... Or child and Similar wife, to Sami but... Zayn, right? And his newborn yeah, baby with his wife still under contract. Seems to be doing a lot like that WWE wouldn't... Like, he's been streaming and whatnot like i feel like then yeah he goes back and then he's just given that i up. saw somebody started streaming again oh um woods but streaming on youtube because i think it's like they're like ooh, it's one of the ones that they haven't banned so he's right, sort of they have up up down down which i think sort of is like one of the one of the um what, what would you exceptions right that, so i don't that's the word i don't know if he's um looking for ways to circumvent their silly rules and regulations or whatever but anyways that's the last piece of news I have is some new details apparently being revealed on internal unhappiness over yeah. 
the WWE NXT 2.0 brand. Wow. My initial reaction was like, how could you not be disappointed with right. this? Like this is, yeah, you're right. This it probably is a doesn't colossal fit. disappointment. <laughs> this doesn't fit under news so much. This is like no duh section sort <laughs> yes. of thing, right? Like, uh, so what they... It what does I, make me happy to hear though, because it's like, suck it. You guys suck. Well, that people are aware, right? That not everybody thinks this is amazing. So officials are said to be disappointed with the 2.0 brand in its first four months. It's already been four months. Oh my God. With that the, is insane. That's so depressing. With a feeling that they thought more fans would have gravitated <laughs> towards the newer superstars quicker than they have. Oh, whereas, I'm sorry. I didn't like Tony D'Angelo. not only did you not gravitate towards it. I you, gravitated away from and it. And you're the demographic they want. And yep. you're like, this is stupid. I'm I out. literally quit. Whereas me, the old man, right? Which is not, I'm even young for their demographic they're actually getting. Oh, we'll talk about that in a second. But I'm still. That's true. You're like. <laughs> I'm still suffering through it. <laughs> that's so funny. So a lot of the, the blame opposite of what they would want. <laughs> a lot of the blame apparently is being put on the abruptness of how everything changed, how it was basically like it's black and gold one week and next week no, it's just yeah, gone it was and like, everything's changed. Literally the next week everything turned to crap and right. it was just all of a sudden, oh, this sucks. And then they the quote unquote fan perception of the product isn't helping either, the same source sort of said. Um no, duh. So it's funny. I told you this. I had you guess. You were close to being, you were definitely in the ballpark. So one goal was to have a younger audience, but the <laughs> median viewer age, and if you need a reminder for in what median is, that's where half of the viewers are older than this and half of the viewers are younger than this. The median age for this week's NXT was 61. <laughs> 61 years old. That's so, so awesome. Half of the audience for NXT is above 61. So half of their 587,000 viewers this week are over the age of 61, right, which like is Vince's age or something. Is exactly the opposite That's of what so they're awesome. going for. That's so, so funny. they are not attracting the demographic they want. They are actually turning them away and they are attracting a demographic or keeping, I guess. I don't know if they're attracting anyone. I think they're just keeping the older audience and not bringing in anyone younger so that made me laugh because that is what they get for putting out a consistently lackluster product week after week it, after and week. it could have been fine if you just like made like a, a like kind of like a not super noticeable mood move toward right. metal. you can keep it black and gold you can just kind of like keep the people like i would say keep it the same just maybe start integrating more developmental people and it would all be fine but they took the stupidest possible route right. to this like what about if you're gonna get rid of the cruiserweight championship how about rebranding it like the developmental championship and that's the or one like the rising i've seen rising like, um, stars sure right yeah like i've seen this one guy who does like a pick fed with like you know like figure promotion yep. whatever and like he has like a rising star championship which is that's not a bad way to say like here's like a like that'd be like like a kind of like a starting out like, exactly. like a title to give to like people who like you have plans for maybe and, and if you love you braun breaker he wins that right away exactly. and then he exactly. progresses i quickly. think like him with the nxt title like he's not the worst of the nxt right. 2.0 bunch but i don't think he should be a main champion yet. and it would be a way of easing into like we are transitioning to some younger less experienced talent right, it was right? Just, like, so the that's most fine abrupt and awful change i've ever seen in my entire life and then they can move up to north america and then they can move up to the main nxt you championship mean, or like but... you can also start them with the tag title run that's right. fine too but, but like... instead they decided like you're gonna show up next week and the show is completely different in terms of look in and terms i will of never people, forgive them because the everything. first the one of the first things they did was a put Braun Breaker in a match and b put Von Wagner in a 
match yep. where the NXT title is on the line. That's so right. I will never forgive them for that. They, without any um, prep of that, right? No. They just switched him for who was right. supposed to be in it? O'Reilly. Right. And then he O'Reilly. was... O'Reilly. Right. So they just thought, I don't know what they thought, but it's clearly not having the effect they want. And apparently some people that matter are not happy with the 2.0 performance so far. Uh, I'm done for news. Do you have anything else? Uh, no, I do not. All right. So let's move into taking a look <laughs> at a weekly episode of wrestling that we always start out with and that is going over this week's AEW Dynamite. And we kick off the show with um John Moxley's return promo as he is We sure returned. do. Yeah, all clean and sober now, which is great for him, right? Yeah, and right off the bat you can hear someone like Oh my goodness. Acclaim, uh it yeah, it was something about like get the drunk that drunk out of the ring or something. And Mox was not having it at yeah, all. Yeah, and they left that, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, they left a full f bomb in, right? Yeah. I, apparently, did, did they? Was it censored for us or not? I don't not? think so. I don't. I know it wasn't a lot of places in the states. I don't think it was I here either. I don't remember but it being censored. Me either. So I don't think so. Good for Mox, basically mm-hmm. saying get this guy out of here, kind of thing, right? So I don't know if they did or not. I didn't hear anything I afterwards, don't. but he wasn't having it, anyways. Yeah. Um, so he talks about falling asleep on a plane once and not knowing where he woke up. He says, nobody gets through life unscathed and we all get scars and what's important are the scars we carry inside. So like when you get stabbed with a knife and you, and the knife goes inside you, so then you have a scar inside you, right? I guess so. Mm-hmm. And those are the scars that make us who we are. He says he is sure that there are plenty of people who want to write him off and doubt him, but if they want to write him off, he'll tell them to shove it up their ass. Yep. Uh, uh, he says he doesn't run from demons. He beats the crap out of them. He says he thanks everyone for supporting him and tells them to buckle up. He says now more than ever he is free. And he says if there's anyone who thinks they can put him through more hell, he says he is thirsty. And nowadays all he drinks is blood. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really shaky to start. Like I was like, this is, you know, about yeah. the worst mocks has sounded to me in a long time. But then he really picked up momentum. And I thought by the end, this was excellent. Like a passionate, honest promo. And the final line about all I drink now is blood, I thought was a killer final line for this, right? Um, I know I always say I like shows to start with a match, but I think you have to start with Moxley here under the circumstances, right? I thought he did a fantastic job. The crowd response was excellent. It is great to have him back. I'm super glad that he's healthy I and happy. I also saw after his match on Rampage, he walked by Danielson. Oh, nice. Mm. Uh, I thought this was an excellent promo and just the right length, too. It didn't drag on. It didn't ramble. He was focused. He said what he needed to say, and I thought it was pretty great by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was uh, really good as well. Um, it started out really shaky, like you said, but it just seemed kind of off, but um, it didn't seem to be going anywhere. But once he got his footing, he, he ended up delivering a customarily good promo, and he ended it well. Um, it doesn't like make it super clear because it's kind of like an open-ended thing, right. but I think that's fine because it was just a return promo and it served that purpose well. And I'm fine if they go back to like the gimmick he was working before, right? Where everything he does is to get back to his child, his family, and that the only way to make sure that he's healthy and doesn't get hurt is to just be super aggressive and kill everybody he faces. So I thought that was kind of cool. I would love him versus Danielson. Oh my God, yes. that'd be amazing. I feel like that'd be a good match and wwe regardless but i feel like in aew it's a whole nother animal which right. i think i think that would be just so great yep i think it's another l for brian which is not the best but i feel like now that like you say with um who was it macklin yeah they've kind of broken that seal right, right? the floodgates are open yeah. yeah so now you can kind of allow i was just finding weird because i in my head i would like 
once you have someone like who's undefeated, they kind of take a loss. I would like not have, have them, them lose again. Lose right again. Yeah. I mean, like it's fine and all, but I feel like personally, I like I'd like to like have them at least built like a bit, at least maybe get like yeah. a victory even. Sometimes it depends. Like it's a case by case yeah. if that character can take more losses or not. I think right? Brian could if it's yeah. someone like Mox. Probably yeah. Just kills him. Yep. Um. Next, we get a quick segment with MJF backstage and Wardlow. Um. He talks about Punk not taking the loss last week like a man after the after the power bomb. Something he took the easy way out with the cheap roll up, saying like he had the tights and whatnot. Um, and Jeff apologizes for losing his cool last week, so it seems like he's actually being sincere, right? He's like, yes. eh, Wardlow's been with him for however long, and then he says, but Wardlow put his hands on him, he's docking his pay. Right. Um, and, like, the apology is his birthday present. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he says he'll give him a pay raise if he racks up wins and wins the Revolution Ladder match to get MJF his TNT title shot. Right, because um, we learned everything Wardlow does goes to MJF, right. right, as per his contract. And he says he also believes in Spears, who will hand Punk his first AEW loss tonight. Oh, yeah. boy, how that is so wrong. I um liked Wardlow just kind of standing right behind really him and staring this, yeah. at him. And I liked there was a subtle shot in there, right, about Wardlow lacking seasoning that I thought was pretty funny, too. And then, yeah, like you said, he kind of flips from being a little bit critical of Wardlow to sort of sucking up to him about Wardlow's birthday and then switches back to being a jerk again. And um, Wardlow's kind of very subtle just reaction, I think, is great. Um, again, another, like, perfect length, I thought, of this segment. A good job of moving a few stories along, um, the punk one and the Wardlow one with MJF. If I were going to nitpick slightly, I think I might be a bit more interested in the Wardlow-MJF story than the MJF punk right now because... Wardlow... I think the MJF Punk one started off super strong and then yes. it's just kind of like I feel like it got a little shaky as of late well last week it was for me because Wardlow just dominated Punk and could have pinned him at any point right but he listened to MJF and that's the only reason he didn't win so it's to almost me, like Punk MJF is like a backdrop for right like Wardlow. yeah yeah Punk I is the that. stepping stone to the bigger feud which is Wardlow which I don't think is how they want me to feel about it right but either way I'm yeah, sure I, both... I could see it being like that yeah um and honestly I just added in a note here that it's rare for me to be so happy with the show starting with two straight speaking segments but I thought both of these were really enjoyable well, and it's not a tony minute mcmahon promo no you know it's not half bad that's right um i thought it was a solid promo from jeff i loved him like trying to smooth things over for they're pretty sincerely like he's very good at like yes pretending to be sincere and he just effortless effortlessly slips back <laughs> into douche mode which i thought was awesome and i i like him keep continuously mentioning that face of the revolution line of magic and just to kind of like keep that in the back of your yep, mind no, that's smart you know like not not like it's just like this random line of match like it actually kind of means something. Like, he wants Wardlow to win. He's just kind of, like, reminding us, like, that that's going to be a thing at some point, right? right Which it's... I really like, just to kind of keep that fresh in the mind a little bit every now and then. I MJF think is a professional, right? Like, he knows what he's doing, and I think he's just a good actor um, who happens to be a wrestler, right? Like, sometimes you get that. And he's one of them, kind of like, uh, I think Eddie Kingston's probably a good actor, you know what I mean? And he Yeah, just they both feel pretty, like, genuine. Choose to be a wrestler, yep. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, that lends itself well. Um, next, we come to our first match. So, the opener, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, which is Adam Cole and Britt Baker versus Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander. So, basically, a small guy and a dentist versus a lazy guy and, and an, an alien. alien. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Cole. I couldn't think of anything Small else. guy. Wow. Uh, a baby. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Got him. Um, and I thought this was like, it was about as good as you could get for a mixed tag match. Like they're never the best, but 
because like especially in major promotions like this it, it boils down to a dual singles match of sorts yeah I, it does because the the genders aren't allowed to sort of interact i thought the aew made some good choices in terms of trying to use those limitations as part of no, the they match do right a good job so, of, i think wwe is very just yeesh. yeah um, and I know you had your fair share complaints of Impact in that department as well. Because Impact is one where they actually do, at times, no, let Tessa the men Blanchard and women was fight. literally the right. world champion. Uh, I miss Tessa Blanchard. But then recently, it's been Even like... Grace at times, right? The men have to find ways to not really hit any offense on the women. Unless your name's um, Rohit. So it gets a little bit um, tedious after a while yeah, of watching it. Yeah, for sure. It. I think, like, it basically... These usually, like, boil down to, like, dual singles matches with the occasional, like me in the middle it's like um uh think of money in the bank in 2020 remember how like they did it in the building oh right and it was like kind of like the dual matches but then they yes. like they met like once or twice so right. it's it's like that kind of aspect yep um i i forgot but that was bad it, i forgot about it till you said that too i mean malachi black must have some real supernatural powers because i'm i i believe he was one of the ones thrown off the roof by corbin so. and ray was too right yep Mm-hmm. It was him and Mr. I remember that. Yeah. Um, so right away, Baker tags out to Cole. And then a uh, li- little after, Cole does the, sa- does the same uh, tagging out to Baker. So kind of like some heel tactics. Right. Which was kind of a nice bit in Right. Here. Using that sort of limitation of this match, right? You right. want to fight me? Whoa, I tag out. Now you can't do anything about it. You've got to tag out. Sort right. Of thing, and right? it's like, it's, feel like it's even like, it's more, it's more heelish here. Because like, it's not like Cassie can stay in. And fight like say Bobby Fish. Right. If he was teaming with Bobby Fish. No, he's got to get out. Right. So I think that's kind of interesting. Yep. Um. And Cassie uh, hits Baker with the kicks of doom, which is the lazy kicks, until she stomps on his foot, and then Statlander comes in with a body slam. Ooh. Yep. And Take a, a drink. And that's a our personal boot. game. <laughs> <laughs> um. Tilt world DDT from Cassie. Uh. Later, pendulum moonsault apron by Statlander, and then Cassie just hits a lazy dive where he just falls off the apron on yep. the cool. Um. Then they do a best friend hug, and then eat some super kicks. It's very clear in this power couple uh who knows how to super kick it is Britt baker yeah definitely <laughs> yeah it is definitely adam and cool he's got the super kick down to oh yeah he tee. does for sure um a hot tag flurry ending in a blue thunder bomb for two by statlander um later on a fisherman's neckbreaker by baker a spinning out falcon arrow thingy by statlander for two uh, Cole covers Britt as Statlander is on the top rope and then hits a 450 anyway, so that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, beach break by Cassidy for two. Uh, Baker hits a destroyer on the ramp to Statlander and then a Panama Sunrise in the ring on Cassidy. That was cool. By Cole for near fall. Uh, Cole, Baker, and Cassidy do their best recreation of WrestleMania 33 as Baker goes through the table, a la Rollins, Triple H, and Stephanie McMahon. Oh, when Triple H knocked Stephanie through the table? Exactly. Right. That is the occasion I am referring to. Right. And then... Uh, Cole's angry. He hits him as the ref is not paying attention. He hits a low blow and a last shot. I'm not calling it the boom. Screw that. That's stupid. Uh, for the win by Cole. So yes, and yeah. they, they started saying boom as he hits the finisher, which yes. is I like it in the entrance. It feels like a WWE name for yeah. Right? I like the last shot better because that it could be for any move, and I think it's like kind of a cool name. Mm-hmm. Like I think that works so much better uh i thought the first half of this match was fun right they did the kind of um orange cassidy's doing his thing and statlander's doing the boop and stuff and then it got a little bit more serious i really liked the sequence with the panama sunrise um and the destroyer right that i thought was cool and led to a really believable near fall 
they used like i said kind of a good use of the mix tag format right but i feel like if i'm going to nitpick this as well a little bit longer than maybe it needed to be um it's a way to get some more time for the women on the show which i think is something they need to do so i do like that and I, overall i think it was a good match it doesn't make me super interested in a further cole cassidy singles match though like we kind of got a definitive win here right so i don't know I mean, I, he did kind of low blow. I guess. I still think the match will be will be good, though. So, yeah, I like this match. It could have been a little bit shorter, but I thought it was a good use of a mixed tag match. What about you? I think, yeah, the, the Elite just keep beating the best friends, I'm pretty right. sure. I think they win. I don't, I think they win a lot is, like, the whole thing. Um, They're just handing their asses to them. Um, I think it was a pretty solid first match on the show. Mixed tag matches are never the best stipulation, but I think they really did do their best here. They worked it well with the Simon Heels and a bit of intergender stuff, like enough just to kind of like, yeah, yeah that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty standard mixed tag, but one of the better ones I've seen was some good action. The finish was okay and definitely the right result. Yeah. Considering Cole and Baker are an actual couple. And, and then, well, I mean, Cassie and Statlander are a faction, but. I kind of thought Statlander and Cassidy would win this and that would give the heels the anger yeah, and I mean, rage to take into the I mean maybe match, cool, the next match. Cassidy did put Baker through a table. Yeah, that's definitely which where they're going. They should not be putting tables there, okay? Right. They should not be doing that. That's not okay. That's no, it's not, not. Too soon. Not funny. Yeah. Uh next people get, get hurt. Yes, that is, <laughs> I can confirm that that is indeed what happens. Um next we get an inner circle interview which is just uh Jericho and Santana Ortiz. That's right. Still not wearing face paint. Good job. Um, Inner Circle versus Garcia 2.0 is the thing next week. Um, uh, Jericho says he doesn't care about Kingston and he can GFY. Ooh. Trademark. <laughs> Trademark. <laughs> TM. Uh, Ortiz says he they he may not care, but they do. Uh, Santana says Kingston may have had a point. He says they have always had Jericho's back in whatever battles they were facing, referring to the Elite, mm-hmm. the Pinnacle the American top team, the these people, and um, he has never really had their back, and maybe he really is why they haven't been tag team champions. He says maybe next week they prove they don't need Jericho, Ooh. and they focus on them instead of this. Yeah, uh, I like this. I liked immediately, as soon as Jericho said he didn't care about Kingston, the look Ortiz was giving him was awesome. I think their response, Santana and Ortiz, was well-delivered and made sense. And it's kind of selfishly pretty much what I'm hoping for, right? I would love for Santana and Ortiz to distance themselves from Jericho and ideally join up with Kingston, who um, can sort of crank up their aggressiveness, right? And then because of that affiliation and sort of uptick in being more aggressive and violent, they even... They totally go anti-hero with Kingston. I, I want them to just move up the tag ranks until they get a title run. Um, so I thought this segment worked, and I just... I selfishly, I, and we're, I think you're the same. I'm kind of done with Jericho. So um, people I like, like Santana and Ortiz, distancing themselves from Jericho is completely fine by me. Yeah, I thought it was a great little segment. They really like cut to the chase. I agree. I like how they immediately just took no nonsense about this and Kingston because he's like, still, like they're not just going to fall in line because Jericho is kind of the the leader, right? right. I, I like that they, have, they seem to also have given some thought to to eddie's point which i really like because i i i think it's a valid point and it i is. think it, we could be set, setting up their split from the inner circle which is exactly what i want me too uh next we get a quick adam cole promo he says he's sick of cassie but he put his girlfriend through a table he says he's beaten cassie in every way possible he thought of a way to end cassie he challenges him to a lights out match and he can't wait to end his stupid career 
wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. His finisher is a beach break. They're yep. fighting at beach break. So something in that match has to happen involving a beach break. And a table, I would assume, or something, or a scaffold or okay, a platform. But the table has to be somewhere safe. Um, so I think this is kind of an interesting stipulation for a Cassidy match, right? For a guy that's supposed to be so lazy to have access to doing whatever he wants, you should you would think that that would benefit Cole, right? The heel who's willing to do anything versus the lazy guy who can barely get the energy to kick people. Is he really going to be using weapons and setting up stuff? So uh, it's kind of an interesting idea, I guess. Cole was really believable here. He always is. He's a great promo Um and I think the heel getting so mad about what was clearly an accident with Britt getting knocked through the table makes sense as well. I don't know if we really need Britt Baker having her man defending her, though. That's just me. I feel like she's a strong enough character to not really need that. But I guess it kind of makes sense given their relationship. And if they want to say Britt got hurt from going through the table, then uh, it sets up, I guess, what should People be an interesting match. People go tables a lot, though. And Cole did a good job here. He always does. He's a great talker. So this was solid. Although... I mean, you could say people that like can get injured from going through tables. They sure can. Right? Sometimes their arms go on backwards and stuff. Yeah, that that's one of the possibilities it for is. sure. Um, I thought it was a solid short promo from Cole. That's not a joke. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm fine with the lights. I'm, match next week should be good. It's kind of interesting given it doesn't seem super fit for either. Mainly Cassie has Cole's actually yes. like he. I remember he had that Extreme Rules match against Black. He had the one with. O'Reilly, the one with Gargano, the other one with O'Reilly. Yeah, but the idea that this lazy Cassidy is going to go under the ring and get a table and move it and set, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't seem to fit his character. So I'm interested to see what they do with it. Yeah. Um, Next, we get a quick Punk Spears segment. Spears says he's the guy MJF sends to make sure a message is heard and understood. (laughs) Uh Well, he's just not good at that then. Um, Punk says this ends when he gets MJF in the ring. I thought it was fine. I like Spears' bit. But um, then there's the match. Yeah, it was a fine video, but and I guess this was borne out in the match. It's really hard to get me to believe that Spears has a chance. So all of this trying to say like he's gatekeeping MJF or he's the enforcer or whatever they're trying to do is not super believable. But the package itself was fine, yeah? Yeah, um, then we get Sean Spears versus CM Punk in a slaughter. There's no notables because the finish comes immediately with the GTS. 11 seconds. My notes, RIP uh, Sean Spears. Um, yeah. I guess Punk did need a rehab win here after getting dominated but last week. I don't week. think this was right, and he still right. like he did win last week, but he kind of had to sneak out the win after what was it seven nine whatever power bombs. Um, power bomb symphony. So Spears just continues to be lost in the shuffle, right on a stacked roster. He's sort of now pigeonholed, I think, as this like yeah that kind of lower sucks, I, I, I've always kind of liked him. So I wasn't a big fan of the match, but at least it was quick, like 11 seconds, a GTS, and it was yeah, over, right? Yeah, it so was whatever. just a GTS, something else. I didn't love it, because I feel like, you, I, even though I'll never go bigger, I think, I think Spears is solid. Sorry, it, it, this does him a huge disservice. Uh, nothing much else happened after the match. This didn't feel needed when it could have been a solid match, too. I think Spears is pretty good, right? So I think there, this had potential to be a solid match if they like actually yes. went for it, and they, they just kind of like, I feel like this was just, kind of a bad route to go and, i feel like spears deserved at least a solid match here and this is a company where i have multiple times complained about 
the lesser talent or the low card person getting too much in against stars and then you get this right where he literally gets nothing so right and spears is like a credible enough guy right so that i feel like he could go with punk for a bit yeah. right so i don't know i but feel like they should have done that punk definitely needed a rehab after last week in my eyes i don't know if this really did it for him but i yeah, get what I they're trying this to do is quite it but right. it was something yep next we get my favorite tag team hat i mean if you watch the the worst of then you'd know how sarcastic that is because mm-hmm. um, now we have the gun club yay yep uh billy gunn says to christian his boys are ranked in the top five it's a christmas miracle so they deserve a shot against cage's boys i did check unfortunately they are ranked number two they not are. number five so that's but again sad. we're in the infancy of 2022 right so the rep- records were all wiped clean on january right, exactly. 1st so it's not so, like the sample size like yeah so two matches big deal yep and it's i don't think either of them are on dynamite i'm just knowing them i'm pretty sure it's not on dynamite um cage says he can't doubt their talent that that is hilarious <laughs> that's a lie <laughs> uh but they fall short in the big spotlight and the apple doesn't fall far he says and he tells them to make a statement and then talk and they beat down christian then all of them or the other two come into whatever their names are i know their names but i'm gonna pretend to forget and they beat him down yeah um so unlike NXT, which I'll get to, at least when AEW wrestlers are trying to make their own matches, they can refer to records and standings, right? Which is helpful. Right. Um, they actually like come in with like part of a reason. They have some sort of reason, right? And so, then at least there's like still the established authority. So then like it's not like they actually made the match. Right. It's like that they like mentioned and like the they, they it was actually decided whether to make the match or not so i feel like in nxt now it just comes across like oh i want this match the i made this match oh it definitely does and you'll see this week where it's anyways we'll get to there's an la night thing that really kind of made me wonder what was going on but this might not be a popular opinion in this room but i actually quite like this and i thought it gave the gun club a bit of an aggressive edge that they've kind of been lacking um kind of a bit of an identity here whether it's heel or whatever i kind of liked it I thought it was a simple, effective way to show that uh, they're evolving a little bit. I mean, I don't need to see a Christian Billy Gunn match if that's what this is leading oh, to. That but that is my worst nightmare. I do like um, the gun. Sting versus Billy Gunn. I do like the Gun Club showing a bit of personality, so I kind of like this, to be honest. You? I. It was meh. I can't <laughs> say I care at all about them. I don't want to see Gun Club getting a tag title shot ever. Um, I don't think I could think of a less deserving team not named Bear Country or Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson. Gun Club are the worst. I feel I don't think I think there's just like a bit of aggression for them. I think they kind of did that before, and I don't think this makes them any more interesting in the slightest. They're the most boring tag team on the face of this earth. I thought that's what you might say, but we'll see where it goes. I have no time for them. They you do not. They, and also christian cage is a very talented liar i must say because i can't think of less talented second generation superstars he didn't say they were super talented what was his line they can't doubt their talent can't doubt it but that could be he can't doubt that they're minuscule amount of talent oh that's true right he's not saying i can't doubt that you have a ton of talent i mean i think also not not a bad second generation star is in fact brock anderson but I feel like Brock Anderson is probably more interesting than the Gun Club, which is saying something. Wow, I thought this was okay. No, screw Gun Club. <laughs> uh, next, we get to, oh, speaking of people that we enjoy, mm-hmm. uh, it's Cody Rhodes. Yep, Yay. it sure is, uh, with in all his glory. Chonky ladder in the ring, a big, tall, really, really big fat ladder. 
black ladder mm-hmm. in the middle of the ring for no reason. I'm sure you just uh, needed a chair and couldn't find I one. I can't imagine where this promo's I going. I wish he had actually sat on the top of the ladder. That'd be cool. And then he just fell off and broke his neck or something. Uh, no, let's not be rude. We're not trying to hurt the man. No, I, know. I just think that'd be kind of interesting. Um, He talks about Punk's pipe bomb promo as he is the same. Um, yeah, and that's how it was revolutionary. Um, he says Punk talked about doing a lot of things like the Forbidden Door uh, related stuff, and w- which are things that he did, Cody Rhodes did. And then uh, mm-hmm. I think there are Royal Rumble chants, right? Because he's, yeah. he's been in the Royal Rumble. Yep. And I think the only way he can be in the Rumble is I think he has to go back to Stardust. And I would welcome that. Stardust mm. is the best. You'd be the only one. Uh huh. Um, I will support Stardust forever. Uh, he says punk is the comeback of the decade and they're all living it and loving it. He says in the void punk left, he did all the things he mm-hmm. said and he won't turn heel uh, because they cheered him when he needed it and they are a family, him and what a family they are. Uh, he says before there was a forbidden door, he was the one who built it. Cody Rhodes was the one who built it. Yep. He talks about forbidden door-esque stuff from last week and he makes a crack at Walter's new name. I will have to agree with that. Um, he says the TNT title is not a secondary title. I'm disagreeing with that because the champions and the legacy that, that has been crafted, but it is secondary right now because there are currently two champions. No, there's not. One of them is literally called an interim champion. Mm-hmm. Um, he challenges him to an undisputed champion ladder match next week and climbs the ladder and raises the title like a little turd. Yeah, so I don't quite even know how I feel about this. Um, him coming out and comparing his own promos to the pipe jo- pipe bomb is funny to me and I, that's clearly him being a heel right even though saying he'll never be a heel like this is why i don't know how i feel um i like the other like non-heel heel stuff but this felt like not that because you're saying you'll never turn heel literally while basically being a heel right so i kind of find it interesting on one level it's so it's another yet another cody promo where i'm not sure how to feel about it if he really believes he is this generational talent if this is his belief that he's expressing to us that he built the forbidden door and blah 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 then he's delusional and i can't stand him right but if it's part of a character he's doing this whole heal not heal thing perfect then i think it's kind of cool um and i'll never really know what his motivations are so i guess i'm left to sort of decide it feels like he went out there like thinking he's good enough to put everyone over. So that's why he name dropped like half the roster. It felt like to me, um, I thought it was a little bit rambling and self-indulgent at points. He took a lot of time to get to a really obvious point, right? Like we knew as soon as he took the ladder out and with the whole ridiculous sure there interim when he bit, got there, like how did that get there? So I think we knew where this was going. I think he thinks he's good enough to make this unification match feel like a big deal, even though the interim titles existed for two weeks and it's on the same guy that you just beat decisively for the title already um so it kind of came across as silly in a way to me it's this huge passionate promo where he's name dropping all of these people to build to a match against a guy you just beat who's barely been an interim champ for five minutes so i don't i i finished and i'm still we've had time to think about it i don't know where i stand with this promo i think he probably delivered it well I just don't know what I'm supposed to do with the content of it. And I don't like, I think the match itself will probably be pretty awesome, but there I'm not believing that it's this humongous matchup when you just decisively beat this kid. Right. And so anyways, there's a different, literally he's called an interim champion. Yes. If they, shouldn't the interim be done? Yes, it would be, but not in this world. So what did you think of this thing? 
I thought it was all right because I, I like you. I'm very confused. I don't mind him doing the heal not heal thing. So I actually kind of like that. But I really don't like him actually talking about turning heal because that just feels like too far. Because like no one's actually talking about like, hey, I'm gonna be a baby face forever or I'm turning right. heal on everyone or something. Like no one actually uses the terminology like in a promo, which I I don't like that. I didn't love the stuff about him at like picking him after Punk because like that just doesn't connect for me. Um. He kind of like is influential in the Forbidden Door, but there's a lot he's missing here. And like, I'm like, unless it's like a heel stick, then it works. But it's just hard, too hard to tell. Right. But it, it like it doesn't seem like it, but it also could be at the same time. The ladder match should be cool, but uh, it doesn't make sense because Guevara is literally called an interim champion, which he has been for the sum of maybe two weeks. Yep. Like it's big match though. Even yeah. though we just saw it, and one guy already beat the other guy decisively, and then he I had think... to be given a title right. instead. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Um, next, we get a Cargill and a Jade thing. Basically, Cargill issued an open challenge, which Anna Jade accepted. Sterling says Cargill's undefeated, and they are thrilled to accept the quote unquote challenge. Anna Jade says there is a dark side to her, and <laughs> she'll do anything to win. Yeah, I guess she's referring to the violent bloody match she had with those other women i thought sterling's good uh john silver and jade were fine and the anna jay is not she um she needs some work on her delivery she's super young so that's understandable um i i kind of laughed when she said she has a dark side just the way she delivered it and her looking like this fresh-faced young woman here telling us how evil she can be but anyways um it was fine i guess like it was funny. it was very it's like ally doing the angry yeah face in in um impact that's what it was yeah to be like Arr. exactly um so, yeah this is fine ironically the first tbs title matches on tnt yeah you, you mentioned that TNT. to me because i didn't catch that and that is kind of that's funny just dumb uh it doesn't look like a great match but we'll see probably yep. not because i don't care um next we get the kings of the black throne house of black house of black uh versus uh varsity blondes in a squash yeah more uh, squashy than i was anticipating actually yeah i'm okay with it um so the Kings of the Black Room, their theme is pretty sick. Their yep. entrance was sick. I they just look cool. I still prefer Malachi Black's theme. I I love Malachi Black's theme. Yep. I think like I remember we both loved the the NXT theme. I did had, love it. But I I really love his AEW theme. I on one hand I wish they had used it. On the other hand, I like that as just his theme. You know, and I think this entrance was like I like it was similar to his, but also like his is. I think his is like a little better. Yep. But I think this looked awesome. Just like with the spotlight behind them and just like their silhouettes, like it looks awesome. They, yeah, it looked really cool. They have cool. a really awesome presentation. Uh, Brody King looks right. They are an intimidating in, looking right. uh, yeah, group. Yeah, they, they look super cool. Partnership. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so Garrison took a nasty head bump off the stairs, which <sighs> seemed accidental. And I was worried for his turned, safety. It turns out, um, uh, Pillman is the one who got concussed from this match. Pretty big irony there, because Garrison, like, I, he looked like he just like died. Like, yes, it didn't look like he get himself any his hands up. Sick. He looked like it he looked just nasty. Fell head first into the steel steps, and I was sure he was done, but apparently not. So, yeah, like it looked, it looked like he like just conked it. Like, yep. oh my god, it was good I, job, I Griff I Garrison. It was like awesome because it just like, it looked so real. We just it like did. both just reacted that, but it it was so cool. Um, uh, there was a nice combo by what I shall call them K-O-T-B-T, mm -hmm. Kings of the Black Throne. Um, I'm also, I, I'm honestly just considering just referring them to the House of Black because Kings of the Black Throne is too long. And I told also, you, I think House, I like of, House Black of Black will be the whole group and Kings yeah. of the Black Throne will be the tag team. At least yeah, that's how I, I would like do it. Yeah, but I Black is above a tag team, which kind of 
Well, I mean, he I can mean, also go back and forth singles and tag. Like, they can do all kinds of cool stuff, that's right? That's true. Um, King takes out Garrison. They hit the Dante's Inferno for the win, which is just like a suplex lift into a power slam. Yeah, they could have found a better finisher for sure. I kind of think the name is interesting, but yeah. I do not enjoy that. Like I itself. told you, I'm a big fan of Brody Lee or Brody Lee. Brody King's simple like forearms are awesome. So I would love a discus forearm into or the black I, mask. I'm just thinking like if they're me. if they're like that set on like a power move for King, you do like a black mask while he's got him in a power slam, and then like you could do like a or Kishi driver or a power slam black a... mass to catch him into a gonzo bomb wait so gonzo bombs like you have him in a dominator into a pile driver right mm -hmm. so you hold you you like brody king like holds him on his shoulder and then like you black mass him while he's there and then yeah, into a gonzo that. bomb like you could just they have like two like black mass you can merge into so many things yep. like they could you'd like do that so i think their tag measure is not great um so we get a post-match promo black asks for the members of the house of black to rise so is that bringing more people <laughs> julia no, hart i just think that's his no <laughs> i think that's just his like catchphrase at the moment right pack um is on the tron cuts a promo uh he says he sees them now and black is like everyone else and it's disgusting he says a black man tricks up his sleeve but he is beyond his reach and he takes out the blindfold and says he's gonna make a martyr of black yeah a uh, match wise it was more of a squash than i thought they the blondes really did not get anything here garrison did look like he died for a minute uh, in running into the post i thought malachi black started out super aggressive and fast in his brief time at the beginning of this i still don't think brody king has been fully showcased yet um people haven't got a sense of what he's all about yet but i think it was all it needed to be as a first brody king in the ring sort of thing for aew I liked the segment by Pac that followed a lot more. I thought it was awesome. Uh, the tone, his delivery, the image, everything was just looked really cool. And honestly, Pac in any combination with the House of Black is fine by me. Um, so I'm looking That's forward true. to any yeah. sort of combination. I mean, Penta's there. still around, my yep. guy. So I liked the the segment more than the match. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I thought it was a solid squash. Made House of Black look pretty good for a first outing garrison took that gnarly base bump on the stairs which proves the ringside area cannot be trusted two examples in a month um kings of the black throne need a new tag finisher dante's inferno is there it's just it's not it reminds me of the viking experience for the viking raiders right. um like I, that's like pretty much the same it's a pop-up power slam mask move um and i i don't like that it's, it's just a power slam. It boils down to a power slam. It does. Might as well just have Brody King power slam the guy. Mm -hmm. um, next, we get a Hangman Archer promo thing. Paige said, if you want a shot the world title, come for it. And then Jake Snake, who is back, yeah. said, uh, when it comes time, Paige will bite the dust. And Lambert's also there for some reason. Yeah, I, the package was solid. I don't really get Lambert's involvement. I'm not sure what he's doing there. And especially if he's not speaking, right? Because Jake did the talking here, but I'm fine with him being silent. I won't complain about Lambert not talking for too long because he talks a lot sometimes. And I think that like at this point, Archer's just a really useful guy to have around, right? You can heat him up really quickly like this if you need to as like a placeholder challenger for any champion. He doesn't need to win all of the time. You can just have him come back from a break, present him quickly as a monster, and it's believable, right? So I think he's like a a valuable guy to sort of have around for this role. Unfortunate for him because I think it sort of puts a ceiling on what he's going to do in AEW, but not everybody gets title shots, right? So at least he's getting that. But yeah, this was fine. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I thought it was a solid promo. I think Jake spoke fine again, so it's cool to see him back. 
Um, I think I we also saw Lambert there, which just does not make sense at all. And Hangman's promo was fine too, I thought. Um, next we get a quick promo from Rapongi Vice. Interesting. Yeah. Because Cutler's like they're looking for the Bucks and so they just kinda take over. Um, Rocky says they're tired of losing the Elite and he reminds Trent of them beating the Bucks multiple times in New Japan. He was thinking they can beat them again, challenge the Bucks to your match on Rampage. Spoiler. Uh, Rocky does not make it. It turns into Trent versus Nick. Right, because he got COVID. So now I worry about Trent because they're standing right beside each other. No masks talking together. But anyways, I like this because Romero wasn't nice to Cutler, right? Like he was treating him as you would think they would. But then Trent was being like really friendly. And right, he was even telling Romero like, be nice because the elite always bully this guy, right? Like they always bully him. So Trent was being really nice to him, which I think is pretty on brand for the best friends right um i guess so, rocky's not super like best friend ask no and it's okay to have one of them who's like uh, this group causes us nothing but problems i hate all of them and then trent's kind of there like yeah but he's their whipping boy right he's not really he's part of them but they just bully him all the time so he treated him a little bit nicely so i thought that was pretty interesting so i ended up liking this segment but as you said the match will not happen in the way they're advertising it here yeah, which kind of sucks because I think uh, I think I was really excited for Rapongi versus uh, Bucks. I think that would mm-hmm. be really awesome. And they've had some history with some really awesome matches exactly. too in Japan. Um, yeah, I thought it was a solid promo. Um, funny they also kind of bossed around color. I did think it was kind of interesting. Like I feel like it, it kind of made sense because Trent is like one of the best friends, right? And then I feel like Rocky is like he is affiliated because chaos, right? Quote unquote. Um, but um. I, I, I think that was fine. And then I feel like it, w- it would have been a great match if Rocky wasn't taken out. Um, so but that kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe hopefully we can get that on a future show because I, I, I would still really like that. Yeah, if, Romero's if this, impressed me. If this saga continues uh, by the time we're allowed to. And next we get Lance Archer versus Frankie Kazarian, who's still here. I did not know that. Um, he's dropped the Elite Hunter stick. That went well. Did not. Um, in a very slow enhancement match, perhaps the slowest enhancement match I've seen in my life. It was uh, a bit of a slog, this one, eh? A little bit, just yeah. a bit. Interesting. Um, Archer beats on Kaz in different corners of strikes. Um, uh. later on a pounce by Archer. Hammer thrown in a corner by Archer. Kaz slips out of a choke slam, starts to fight back. A missile drop kick by Kaz. Choke slam by Archer, and then blackout by Archer for the win. After the match, Tony Schiavone comes in for one of the interview things. Um, Lambert says they don't need to understand him and Archer. He says Hangman wasn't born for this and says a bunch of stuff. How he isn't a cowboy, just carrying on with that. Yes. Archer says enough of this. He's going to show what he's going to do. He goes to choke slam um, Kaz on the stage on a chair, but Hangman comes out. Brawl starts. Hang- Archer goes for a chair, but Hangman hits him with a boot. Archer blocks a buckshot, but Hangman fights back and takes him out of the ring. And when you say hits him with a boot, you mean he took his boot off and I hit him with it. I think it was, right? It I didn't was, see yeah. It wasn't so actually a big boot. That's why I wrote that I knew it was either a boot or No, he took his boot. boot off and hit him with it. Um, this was really one-sided and too long if you're going to go that route, right? Like Archer was just kind of slowly walking around delivering pretty standard big man stuff for the vast majority of this, and the audience did not appear to be engaged in it either. So I don't think this did... Archer any favors in the build to this um he really needs to kick it up a notch when he faces Paige and I'm sure that he will as for the aftermath I don't know like Paige is obviously going to win the match so did he really need to win this confrontation like I know he took um a slam onto a chair last week right which looked cool but it's kind of like obviously Paige is winning the match does he have to come out ahead in this 
little instance as well. So I wasn't a huge fan of this. The match was boring and the aftermath was kind of standard, I guess. I don't know. Nothing exceptional yeah, came out of it. Yeah, not great. It made Archer look fine, I guess, but it just took way too long. It felt really like a slog. Like you said, it felt too slow. It wasn't like there wasn't a lot to be interested by here. Um, and I think we'd be better off with like a faster squash. Um, I still don't get Lambert and Archer. They didn't really explain more here. The brawl between Hangman and Archer was fine. Like you said, Hangman mm-hmm. doesn't really need to go over here. Could be a solid match and all. But despite Archer being kind of legit and whatnot, I don't buy him as winning at all. I don't nope. think I see him as a champion. I think they have a lot of better potential candidates. Like, I even think MJF is going to be Hangman. I don't think it's right. Archer. I mean, unless someone else great comes in, I think it's MJF. This is just give Paige a win in his title reign, right? Clearly mm-hmm. a quote-unquote quality win as a champion, I, I guess. I like Archer and all, but I honestly, like, lately, I don't like him that much. I don't. I just don't he's... think they have the time to build him the way he needs to be built, right? It's just like they quickly... Re- think... Oh, don't, don't forget this guy's a monster, and then... Yeah, we he go. should probably go back to New Japan or yeah. something. I think he's probably better off. Probably. Um, next, we get a thing with Dante Martin, Matt Seidel, and Lee Moriarty, and, and also Team Taz. Um, Dante says he saved them from Team Taz on Dark, I assume, mm-hmm. um, because Darius, with Darius gone, Seidel's been like his brother, and he, is ha- he, he has their backs. Lee says they'll have his back, too, until Darius is back. Um, so Leo Rush is dead. I guess, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's just gone, yep. apparently. I, I don't know I where he is. his contract expires soon, which that kind or of Or he retired cause... for the eighth time or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Him and Dante were, would have been a sick yes, team. Yes, I enjoyed them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we cut to Team Taz. Starks asks how many brothers Dante has, and Hobbs says Dante better watch everything because they build assassins. Yeah, I thought Hobbs' line was was not great but anyway i mean the, technically they're building hook yeah i thought dante so, was better speaking a little bit than he has in the past not that he was yeah, amazing yeah. here but he didn't sound awkward and uncomfortable like this is a super mid-card group right but you yeah, have yeah. to have those in every company no for sure the starks i thought he's obviously the most polished speaker of all of these people he did a he had a good line about dante suffering from little brother syndrome i thought but i thought Hobbs finishing line was just kind of weak I didn't think it added anything it was just kind of clearly like a a pre-written line that did not sound like something a person would say felt kind of WWE-ish I didn't love that but whatever it's like a lower mid-card little feud so go ahead guys have fun right um yeah and so I thought the segment was fine I don't care a lot but I feel like this could all be bred for Hook because notice how Mm -hmm. Team Taz is short a man right now and they're Mm -hmm. slowly building Hook on the secondary show right meanwhile so then maybe like soon then this is just bred for a hook showcase send on hook the main baby show. right send hook like I'm, I'm thinking like a couple weeks at least maybe let's go hook. like after beach break we get trios match hook kills them all and but at the same time i feel like they're also building dante so yes i'm not sure which way, but i feel like it could be bred for a hook showcase. hook dante tag team that would actually be really interesting that would be very interesting yeah you've got like the silent grappler like just killer and then dante high flying and i he I mean, he could speak for them, which would be not the best move. But it'd get him, it'd get him lots of reps, I guess, talking. I Anyways. mean, if Dante was in Team Taz... And then the Leo Rush could speak for them would be perfect. But yeah, anyways. but uh, whatever. He's gone. Uh, next, we get a Velvet and Chris Stallioner interview. First, congr- her- Layla Hirsch comes in and congratulates her on the mixed tag match. Says she didn't have the same focus on Rampage. and Says she has become selfish. Bella tries to calm her down, says it was miscommunication, and it happens. But Hirsch hits her. And yeah, when Stallioner checks on Red... Hirsch attacks her and puts her in an arm bar. Yeah, this is the side of Layla Hirsch I've been waiting for. Um, 
her delivery of her lines was fine. I don't think it was great, but I just want her to be a killer. Like for me, she could be in the mold of one of your faves, Shayna Baszler, right? Because yeah. she's a legit shooter. She can fight. I think the heel turn is going to increase Layla Hirsch's profile, which I'm fine with because I want to see. I find her really interesting and unique. Um, and AEW, just as like a side note, they seem to have or like to have performers with multiple sort of interactions with people, right? Because Statlander sort of seems like she's on track to face Baker, but she's also got issues with Layla Hirsch. So I kind of like that you have them because it's more realistic, right? Like in a workplace with uh, hundreds of employees or whatever, you interact with all kinds of different people when you're at work. And then I think it's also smart because it gives AEW the chance to like quickly change directions if people get hurt or there's COVID protocols or whatever, because you have had your character sort of interacting with multiple people, right? So they have multiple options to go. So I kind of like that AEW does that a little bit more than other companies seem to. It's kind of a cool thing. I've just kind of noticed like they have dealings with multiple people at the same time, right? And I, I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was okay. I don't care a lot about this because it's been primarily off Dynamite because it's like mostly on Rampage and it's like, it's like then we get like this segment to set up, like we get a segment on Dynamite, but right. it's to set up something on Rampage. Um, Which we I don't always see. I do like them starting on Heal Hearst though. I think she now could go with Team Taz. If that is Makes sense where to me. they want to go. Although Team Taz never win anything, so that might not be great for her. But That is true. Yeah. Um, next we get Serena D versus Sky Blue in a squash. Um, Deeb out wrestles Blue and then smacks her on the back of the head just as a taunt. Yep. Uh, there's a guillotine in the ropes by Deeb for like the five count to cavitate under the bottom rope. Um, she hits a detox and then she does the knee bash Serenity Lock for the win. A nasty looking Serenity Lock, I thought, really deep. Um... This was all it needed to be, right? Deeb needed to look aggressive and vicious, and she did. She got a dominant quick win, and I thought that Serenity or Lock, they, and it might be they chose Sky Blue because they know she's flexible because Deeb really leaned into that, right? It looked awesome. So I, I thought this was exactly what it needed to be, so I was totally fine with This is a, a good use of a squash for me. Exactly. Um, I thought it was a much better squash than the Archer match did. Um, what They did what they needed to do. Um, it was quick and simple. Deeb got in some cool offense, picked up a solid win. Hopefully we start uh, seeing something for the final match because I think there has to be that soon. So yeah. maybe next week they maybe they, it's like they a the submission match or something. Possibly there's probably some sort of stipulation. They, they missed their chance for the first submission match. They wasted that on Conti Penelope Ford or something. <laughs> right. Like they did. Uh, yeah, it was just it was just weird. Uh, next again, many in the year promo. Lambert says everyone scatter when Mox put open open challenge, but Paige didn't. Paige says he isn't afraid. And he is up to the task, and he has been racking up wins while Mox has been gone. Uh, he says that TK is looking for the match. He says, look to his franchise player and make the match. Shane Douglas? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I-, I thought this was a good promo by Paige. Obviously, they're just sacrificing him to Mox to be his first win uh, as his way back. But it should be a solid match. And Paige's logic, right, leading up to why he's willing to take the match made sense. Um, I don't need Dan Lambert more than once in my show, but... At least he didn't really say anything, right? He's been kind of on twice and said nothing. So that is about a nice ratio for me. But yeah, Paige is a, a strong talker and they're just trying to set up a, um, an introductory match for Mox to get a win in his return, I guess. Yeah, um, I thought it was a solid promo from Paige per usual. Um, and I think it could actually be an interesting match, kind of an interesting style of contrast, but Paige does unfortunately have to take an L. Sure does. And then we did also get like a basically a pretty basic... Um, highlight reel package for Hook. I don't know if you remember that. I do. Just 
uh, wasn't it like he has a match against Serpentico or something? I think it was just the most experienced competitor he's faced so right. far. So it was just Hook killing people, and then he's got a match coming up. I guess yeah, it yeah, was cool. Just kind of like highlights of his three other matches. Next we get HFO and Andrade. Mm. Yippee! Yeah, I don't know what's going on here. Um, Hardy has sold fifty-one percent of the HFO to Andrade, and he retains forty-nine percent. That is sure. how it works. Oh, so sorry, um, he gave fifty-one percent to Andrade. Oh, okay. I thought it was the other way around. Mm. Like he kept control, but maybe not. It would actually um, make more sense for future stuff if he didn't keep control. He says a bunch of stuff, and basically, on and then he also says Andrade is the new president. They will be known as AHFO. That is not fun to say. It's. Uh, he says Darby is talented, and you better smarten up and join them. Yeah, I don't know what's going on here. I don't like Andrade being involved with this kind of bottom of the card group here. Um, oh, yeah, bottom of the card, absolutely. I hope that it's short-lived and that my goal would be Andrade takes Private Party with him as part of his 51% or whatever, and he can sort of rebuild Private Party, who showed potential early on in their AEW run, but have since joining Hardy done next to nothing, right? Um Andrade doesn't need Hardy. Uh, Private Party need to be refreshed. So I hope that's what happened because Andrade is a star and the rest of these guys aren't at this point, right? So I'm not sure why this is happening, but I guess we'll see. I am, I, I'm assuming they're going out of their way to talk about them sharing ownership because it's going to lead to issues. I just hope it happens quickly and Andrade gets out of there, hopefully taking Private Party with him. Yeah, I don't know. I think Private Party should go back to baby faces for sure. I think that was when they were actually good. Right. I used to think they were pretty good, just a little green. Now they're kind of boring and lame. Um, This still makes zero sense to me. Why would Andrade want to buy just above, like barely above half of a C-list faction? And what does being president of it even mean? Like, yeah. What? And AHFO <laughs> seems kind of lame. Also saying AH No, I won't be saying awful. that. Nope. That's, yeah, that just is bad to say in my mouth and if you're darby who wants to join this faction if your name's not jorah joel who do you who wants to be in here? and i feel like it's a really like weak lazy way to mention darby out like i don't understand and also how this where fits did in. th2 go they were the only real stars in this faction like it was funny when andrade was sort of implying that sting must be paying Allen to be like his assistant because why would Darby Allen hang out with him otherwise? Like that was funny, but now they're going into like he is actually trying to hire the services of Darby Allen because he thinks that's realistic. Like it kind of makes Andrade look stupid a little bit. Not a fan. Um, him buying half half of this faction or half of the shares in it because that's how factions work. Like I they're just, an official factions are official like corporations that I you guess can sell this half one is, of. I, guess. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but like, why would you want to do that? I don't know. Does he just have money to burn? Because that's the only possible explanation. And Andrade, like you're buying half of a company that never does anything, right? It's not like you're buying half of the elite. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're buying half of Hardy HFO so yeah the good for you i guess yeah, you bought half of nothing <laughs> you're yeah. proud owner of half of nothing yeah pretty much right, right? um i don't know yeah we'll see where it goes it feels yeah. kind of rushed and not very well thought out but again i like to give aew the benefit of the doubt generally mm -hmm. um yeah i don't know okay moving to the main event which is has sting in it 
That's so good. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the acclaim yeah. versus Sting and Darby Allen. It was a Sting match. That is the basic description I can apply here. Um, Mostly it was. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, there's a pre-match brawl. Um, the acclaim put a chair around Darby's head and sent him in the ring post. I like that spot. Cool. Yeah. He thought he was going to go off the apron, didn't you? I thought it was going to end worse than it did. I was ready for him to do something just because it's Darby Allen and he doesn't care, right? So. And because the ringside area cannot be trusted. Right. So it still looked good. I was just fearing something very dangerous. Yeah. And um, th then somehow Sting is in control over both members of the acclaim for a decent stretch. Um, then Sting has the Scorpion Death uh I wrote death drop, but I meant death lock on Caster and Bowens hits a rolling elbow, which is no sold. Stupid. It was. And then he kicks Sting, which now that's sold for some reason. Darby comes in, dives onto Bowens, a coffin drop onto the claim to the outside. Um, Bowens hits that nice strike combo and then that side slam followed by Caster's mic drop for two, which, but Sting breaks it up with the most WWE pin breakup I've seen in a long time. Was it just like a tap on the back? Yeah, or like he just goes like, yeah. Like a, just one of these on the top of his back. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, later a coffin drop by Darby for the win. And they remain undefeated. And the acclaimed take a loss for some reason. So I there's things I liked. I liked the attack before the bell by the acclaimed because they're like playing that old school heel, which I like. Um, I know I'm going to hear it from you as well. I don't disagree that Sting dominating both of the acclaimed while um, Darby Allen was taken out on the floor was a bit ridiculous to me. I mean, it was kind of to be expected at this point with Sting, but I don't love it. The crowd clearly responded to it, so that's, I guess, more important than what we think in this tiny little studio down here. Overall, I thought the match was fine, but the acclaimed for a good stretch, right? They basically just took turns being dominated by Sting and then Darby Allen for a little bit. They got their acclaim, got a bit of offense rolling, um, but not enough for me. And then there was the table spot and a quick finish, right? This was not a high quality main event, I don't think. Um, I get that they are trying to build Allen and Sting as a legit tag team. And I think maybe due to Phoenix's injury, they've had to shift some plans around and maybe build these guys quicker or differently than they originally planned i don't really know but i would have preferred the acclaim look stronger um yeah i feel like they've been on a losing. roll like i didn't think the acclaimed were gonna win but they got what one legitimate flurry of offense in this and then they got dominated by sting on his own for a good chunk so i don't think it really helped the acclaimed uh, i guess that wasn't the goal so um a decent main event but not not dynamite level top tier main event by any stretch of the imagination what did you think um it was okay i guess but i really find it hard they're asking a lot for me to believe that sting can be go be going over both 60 of the whatever year old sting dominates two prime athletes like in the peak of their careers right and, and just handles also them. no sells stuff i right. can't stand him no selling stuff it's the dumbest thing um and i think he's also uh, when he's also in the action, has to be kind of slowed and dulled down a lot because he's he's old. Uh, Darby should should not have been the one to be taken out for decent chunks. All I'm saying, we should have either right. gone a straight tag match or Sting should have been taken out. And I've been a little more open to Sting than you, and I think they have used him really well in a couple of spots and places, but I don't think this was one right. of them for me. Um, the claim looked fine, I guess, but they've been on a roll lately, so it sucks they had to A, take a loss, and B, take it this decisive of a yeah, loss. Yeah, it was very decisive. Especially in most of the match, they had a clear advantage over an older and also a lone guy. And until they hit him with the boombox, right, they couldn't get anything done, basically. So, yeah, uh, yeah I wasn't a huge of, fan of it. It wasn't great. As far as main events go, nah. Yeah. 
Um, what are your thoughts on the show as a whole? I thought it was better show than last week, which was one of my least favorite Dynamites, but I still don't think this was up to their normal standard. So I would say it was below average, but still good. Um, so we got a strong start, I thought, with the Mox promo, the MJF promo, and a pretty good mixed tag match. I had no issues up to that point. Then we got the Cody's promo that I don't know how I feel. Black and King squash, Adib squash, a weak Archer enhancement match, I thought, and a, just a decent main event. So not really... Um, Again, a top-notch dynamite, in my opinion. I gave it a B show. So, like, I mostly enjoyed it, but nothing was amazing. But a, a lot better than last week, sort of getting back on track. I hope next week we get back to the A range where they they have been for much of their run. But this was just a B show for me. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, I think it was at least a definite improvement over our lackluster one from last week. Uh, the first match of the show, the mixed tag, which was the mixed tag, um, was as good as you could probably ask for in that kind of stipulation. Spears versus Punk was a non-match, essentially. When I thought it had potential, House of Black versus Varsity Bonds was a solid enhancement match. Archer versus Cavs way too long and too slow. D versus Sky Blue was another squash done much better. And the main event was just okay, but underwhelming, not up to what I would expect from a Dynamite main event. Agree. Um, as far as segments go, there was a good return promo from Mox. Um, um, a nice and short segment with MJF and Wardlow. The Inner Circle interview I, enjoy, I enjoyed as well. Uh, Cole's little promo was nice too. Set some interesting match. The uh, Gun Club was thing was lame with Christian. Does not matter to me whatsoever. The Cody promo kind of was fell a little bit back to the Cody Rhodes we don't enjoy. Sets up a predictable match, which doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Um, then there were a couple of fine segments for Cargill and Jay, and then Hangman Archer or Pongi Vice cut a solid promo as well thing of team taz and the other guys is whatever and i like the stat under her segment and the men in the year promo was solid too um overall a solid show i would say like a comfortable b mm-hmm. uh, nothing super amazing i would agree all right so let's move into a little bit of trivia as we take a break from breaking down wrestling specifically so it's our segment called off the top of his head All right, so as we approach Royal Rumble season, I may have done this before. I don't know. We've now approaching 80 weeks of me trying to find trivia and topics and questions. So if it's a repeat, I apologize, but you probably forget as a listener, and it's still impressive to hear this kid's knowledge of things. So let's talk about oh, we're doing Royal Rumble? some Royal Rumble oh, stuff. Oh, that's a my little. specialty. It is. So I'm going to pick... I'm good at these kinds of We're going to start out with... I'm going to pick a random year... Okay. And I want you to tell me who won. Can we start out with that? So yep. let's go with uh, the first one, 1988. Uh, Jim Duggan. Are you sure? Yes. And let's go with 1995. Shawn Michaels. Wow, yes. Nine, uh, let's go 2000. That's a weird one. Uh, the Rock. Mm, are you sure? Oh, yeah. no, I'm looking at the wrong. So, sorry, hold on, hold on. Uh, 2000 is the rock correct i was looking at most eliminations wrong wrong list um 2004 but don't say his name Chris too loud Benoit. Shh. wow you know you like literally off the top of your head yes eh? um all right well i'm gonna go back and forth then to try and mess you up 93 yokozuna damn 2008 uh john cena wow 2012 seamus mm, 1989 uh, Big John Studd. Oh, you hesitated for a second. That's a win for me. No. Um, 2017. Randy Orton. 2019 women. Becky Lynch. 
Trying to find what would be the most obscure one. 2006. Rey Mysterio. 2005. Mm, Batista. Nice. And let's go with... I'm thinking the older ones I have a better chance. So let's go with 1994. Ooh. Oh, I know. Uh, oh, Luger and Bret Hart. Correct. All right. So you knock those out of the park. Who holds the Royal Rumble record for most <laughs> victories and how many? Uh, Steve Austin of three. That's like the that's one of the things they have in the pie in the numbers. With Can you tell me the years? Um, ninety seven, ninety eight, and two thousand one. That is all correct. Um, seven people have won two Royal Rumbles as long as this uh document okay. I'm using is up to date. So can you tell me who I'll, they are? I'll just list them up. We're counting Austin, right? Uh, or no, because he's won three. Have he won has won two, two, only two, only two. Okay. Right. Uh, Hogan, Edge, Orton, Batista. Cena, um, hold on, let me think. I'm missing another Two more, one. I think. Shawn Michaels. Yep. And Triple H. Right. Oh, did you say? Did you say Hogan? He was in there. Yeah, too. I did. Oh, you did. Okay. And nice. Edge is the most recent one. Nicely cause... done. Uh, the luckiest number is. Thirty. No. Uh, I knew. I knew this 27. one. Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven is correct. Um. Only time the same number. One in consecutive years. There's a hard one. I don't know. Um, Same entrant. 90. So I'll tell you the entrant. It was entrant number 30. One, two years in a row. Can you name the years? Oh, 2007, 2008. Right. And that was who and who? Taker and Cena. That is correct. Very good. Uh, What else do I have for you? Mm, I'm just trying to make some questions out of this because you just destroyed them. So let's talk about. Joe Mama. Top. 10 cumulative i have the list of the 10 male competitors with the most eliminations so let's see what ones you can get from from that list brock lesnar is ninth on the list with 24 as of whenever this was published 24 eliminations kane has 45 plus one as isaac yankum he is number one Mm, roman reigns roman reigns is Yes, he is tied with 32 eliminations. He's on the list. Um, let me think. Braun Strowman? Braun Strowman is just ahead of Roman Reigns with 33 on the list. Okay. So when I say 10, it's actually going to be 12 or 13 because there's a couple ties in spots. Like two people are tied with Reigns 32 there. But anyways, you just keep rhyming off Triple names. H. Triple H is one of them. So he has 32 tied with Cena. Roman. Cena has 25. So he comes in at number eight on this list. I don't know, maybe Goldust? He's in a lot of rumbles. Goldust is not on the mm, list. Okay. It's all pretty big names, you would yeah. think. Big Show? Big Show is the other one tied with 32 with Roman and Triple H. So we've uh, got one, two, three, four, five, six people left on this list. Taker? Undertaker is second behind his brother with uh, 40. Randall Keith? Randall Keith is, yes, he's tied with another star with 27, and that is for seventh place tied. Uh, stone cold because he's in like stone cold three, right? steve austin is fourth overall with 36 eliminations so you have one two three left um hogan hulk hogan is tied with randy orton with 27 eliminations that's correct so you have two left mm. one to give you a hint the bracket says 39 recognized eliminations so i don't know if that implies Bret Hart? no uh Shawn there- michaels 
Yes, Shawn Michaels is third with 39 recognized eliminations. And then all you're missing is the 10th spot, which Batista? is... No, it is a Canadian boy who you do not really like anymore. Chris Jericho. No. Chris Benoit. Still in WWE and you're tired of him. Or back with WWE, I guess. From oh, Edge. That is correct. He has 23. Little stinker. All right. So to finish up, we're going to have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I guess it is the top 10, although some are tied, cumulative women's eliminations. I find Shana this harder. Baszler. Shayna Baszler's number one because she dominated that rumble, right? So she has 14. She entered number 30 and still lost to Charlotte Flair. I'm never going to let that right. go. So she's number one with 14. Yeah, baby. Uh, Charlotte Flair. Charlotte There's Flair Charlotte. is tied for fourth with 10. Um, this one's harder, right? Despite it all being really recent. She is second with 12. I figured because uh, she was at number three last year, remember? So yep. she would have to kind of do a lot. Um, I don't know. Uh, Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley is tied with Charlotte with 10. Nice. Very good. Nice. Um, Large people no longer with the Nia company. Jax. Correct. She has 11. She's third. Nope, she's not on uh, there. Um, we have let me think. a Canadian, a person in AEW. Nope. <laughs> Canadian still with the company. Oh. Uh, I don't know. That uh, you think is overrated. What, Liv Morgan? No, she's not Canadian. Who's Canadian? Don't lump her in with us. Who the hell is Canadian? Second generation WWE star. Canadian woman. Oh, I guess she's technically not Canadian, even though she's affiliated. I probably misled you. I'm so confused. And um, is Na Natalia? She's not Canadian, right? Yeah, she is. She is? She's a heart. Right? Uh, yeah, but Neidhart. I Anyways. Don't know. Um, somebody um, who's in AEW. Riot. Correct. Really? She's got six. That's so weird. Becky and Lynch. Did I say that already? She's not on there. No. Really? Sasha Banks. Nope. Bailey. Yes. Uh, tied for uh, last place, and then you've got Alexa Bliss. Correct. Yeah. And the last one, which is the hardest one to get, is not someone of this era, but somebody they bring back for Michelle these. Michelle McCool. That is correct. <laughs> she has five. So I remember she like she did a lot in the first time she was in the Rumble because yes, was Undertaker. So apparently you know a lot about the Royal Rumble. We've probably established this before, but yeah, stuff like that there's where there's like a evidence. lot of records. I excel. You do excel. Money in the bank, etc. Excellent work. You killed it. So let's switch back to talking about some more wrestling. A shorter show as we're going to take our what's become a weekly look at NXT UK. So this show starts out with no video package this week, just straight into some quick hype by the commentary team for the main event, which is A-Kid taking on Noam Dar for the Heritage Cup. Do they call it Heritage Cup Championship? Is it just the they Heritage Cup? I don't know what to say. Sometimes they usually go Heritage Cup, and then sometimes they say they're the Heritage Cup champion. So, so I, think, I think it's just they go the Heritage Cup, and then whoever's holding is the Heritage Cup champion. Right, because I think Heritage I, Cup Championship feels redundant to me. Like, I don't think I need to so say stupid. both of those things. I think but it's anyways. Dumb anyways. So the, we then go straight into our first match of the week, which is pretty deadly, heading to the ring to take on Sam Gradwell. And a partner of his choosing. And remember, Pretty Deadly were very open to this challenge because they were sure that Gradwell would not be able to find a partner because no one likes him. 
So then we see a little uh, vignette, right, of Gladwell trying to find partners at the gym, which I think was Nathan Frazier, at the drive-thru of a restaurant, um, on the phone, calling people and basically putting out... He kept, um, like, tweeting guys like, um, I don't know, I think... Um... I don't know. I feel like I want to say one of them was Triple H. It was, and then there I was like know. non-wrestling people too. I think he was tweeting. So kind of He's like just a, like tweeting like people way out of his league, right? Um, and everybody obviously turns him down. So pretty deadly are in the ring, thinking that it's going to be a handicap match. Basically, I actually found this little vignette amusing. Yeah, to be honest. I, I, I thought it was pretty amusing. Then I got confused because Kenny Williams is like backstage behaving very erratically right and i wasn't really sure what was happening there but i guess he Jesus has scum and he has issues with gradwell who wouldn't look at his hair but are, but are, do we know that i can't remember oh, i feel like I we probably so. are supposed to know that no i don't know i i don't remember that so a little bit confused um but anyways it turns out that gradwell did find a partner and it is saxon huxley who i don't know how much you've seen but i kind of find this guy interesting just because he's kind of out there a bit bizarre but then I got confused because is this heel versus heel? Like Gradwell, mm, I think feels a little like bit. I feel like they're presenting Gradwell as not a heel. But anyways, we'll get there. So Gradwell dominates uh, Howley early until Pretty Deadly sort of make a blind tag. Then Huxley tags in later, and uh, Stoker tries to avoid facing him. We get knees and a backbreaker by Huxley, followed by a running elbow and a crossbody in the ropes. He goes for that same crossbody into the ropes on Howley. But he moves out of the way, and that turns the tide, and pretty uh, pretty deadly then start to isolate Huxley for a while. We get a double front suplex onto the top rope by pretty deadly for two as they continue their domination of Huxley. We get an eventual hot tag to Gradwell, who dominates Stoker until a distraction by Howley allows Stoker to hit a forearm to Gradwell as Gradwell's coming off the top rope. Kenny Williams shows up. He attacks Saxon out on the floor, takes him out, leaving Gradwell alone. Um, just of course, conveniently when Gradwell's looking to make a tag and there's nobody there. So that allows pretty deadly to hit what is called the spilt milk, right? Which is a neck breaker, spine buster combination. So they hit it to Gradwell for the win. Um, what did you think of the match? I, I guess I'll, I'll go first since I'm the one taking notes. Um, I thought it was fine. Nothing special. I, I, it was a good enough match, right? Um, if pretty deadly, yeah, they get a win and I guess, that's what they need because they recently lost the tag titles, right? So they being re rebuilt a little bit here. And then I guess it's to further the angle between Williams and Gradwell, which I'm unsure about where it came from. I think I'm missing something. Um, and again, my question is, is Gradwell a babyface now? I the, guess. Cause the video package Kenny was... Williams definitely isn't. Right. And neither are Pretty well, Deadly. by definition, but he's also not. Right. So Pretty Deadly are heels. Kenny Williams is heels. And that pre-match video was almost comedic in nature, right? So the one with Gradwell looking for a partner. So I feel like maybe he is a baby face now. But anyways, I wasn't sure. What did you think of the opener? Yeah, kind of. Um, I thought it was okay. I mean, I, don't, I thought it wasn't like, I feel like pretty deadly or better when they have someone to work with like Mustache Mountain. Yeah, for sure. Um, And I think the finish was okay. I mean, I guess that's something with Kenny Williams. I think he's kind of interesting. I think Kenny yeah. Williams is cool. But I, I don't, yeah, I don't understand the whole dynamic with Gradwell here. It's kind of confusing. And Huxley was all right. Yep. Uh, we then get Ginny. She's cutting a promo on Amal, basically saying that they do have similarities in their background, but the difference is Ginny doesn't exploit her past struggles to earn fans, which I thought was a pretty cool... I mean, it's not even that healy, to be honest, but I thought it was a cool route to take. She says she gets booed because the fans wish they could be her, but they can't, and neither can Amal. Um, Ginny will take all the hope that 
in Amal's heart and destroy it. What did you think of Ginny? Um, I thought this was actually pretty good. Me Momo, too. I like that. Like, Amal quotes one later. I think this one was much better. I think it was like, yes. I think from her point of view, I think it's like, it's not like the worst point for a heel to make. I think it was like, I think it was really good. And, and I just, I liked it. it was like, it's kind of like we all have had struggles, but we're not all right. complaining no, yeah, and yeah, telling yeah. everybody about it to gain um, yeah, approval like or whatever. Right. So I think she does an excellent job as a heel. Really good delivery. She's really believable. I just wish I was as impressed with her in the ring, but I'm, I'm going to be fair. I haven't seen a ton of her, so I haven't made my final decision. I'm still open-minded. Um, but yeah, I thought this was a really cool heel segment here. We then get a quick recap of the Dave Mastiff and Jack Stars beating Dee Familia, somewhat surprisingly for me. Yeah, I'm still not thrilled about that. After Joe Coffey got involved, right? So we're getting a furthering of the Gallus Dee Familia feud. So each team gets to talk about the other a little bit here. Gallus point out how the match didn't go well for Dee Familia. And Dee Familia basically say that they are the new dominant group in NXT UK. Obviously, I'm shortening it a fair amount here, but trying to take quicker notes for NXT UK. So I... I like the package. I think everybody involved did a good job. Yeah, I think as far as side feuds go, I think that's, this is not like a total waste of time no. for Dee Familia. Right. If they're not going for the tag titles yet, which I mean, kind of makes sense because I don't think Mustache Mountain are losing losing them no. soon. No, and so. Gallus have been a pretty big deal for a while, right? Yeah. So yeah. this is a decent little feud for right. Dee Familia. Um, I hope that they continue to build this a little bit before we get the payoff, but... Then it immediately, as I'm writing that, basically, we find out that the match is next week. Um, so yep. it should be pretty good still. And I thought the segment was was solid. Yep, agreed. Then we go right to a um, produced segment with Blair Davenport. So she's got a set of, like, really old, large keys, and she unlocks some gate. And the whole thing shot so in, weird. in black and white, right? Um, she's basically says that she's a product of her, her environment, and she's from a long line of Davenports and taught that everyone else is the enemy. If you're not a Davenport, you're the enemy. So Mako should be afraid because Davenport is fire and fury. She says she is the rightful heir to the women's championship and enemies of the air beware. Uh, she Ryan. <laughs> um, I thought this was pretty cool. And NXT UK, I've noticed since we've kind of been covering it a bit closely now, they seem to produce at least one really good pre-recorded segment each week, right? Like whoever's doing their yeah. production stuff, it's yeah, pretty yeah. cool. Um, generally stylish, cool looking. Um, I think they've done a good job building Davenport into a legitimate threat recently, right? Because I'm kind of on board with her and I wasn't before. So I think these have been successful. Yeah, I think she's all right and not super into it uh, as you are, but I think she's all right. And yeah. I thought this was all right. Like you said, they do excel in these yeah. pre-recorded segments yep. they've been really good yeah we then get our sort of uh middle it's generally like three matches right and this is the middle match where middle we match get is usually more squashy than the yes, other two less high profile for sure so it's amelia mckenzie taking on isla dawn and we're reminded quickly that dawn took mckenzie's watch in 2021 as like a trophy collecting trophy kind of gimmick and that mckenzie has asked for it back so I give them credit for at least trying to provide some story and stakes to this quick little match, right? So they put in a bit of effort there. I don't know how well it worked, but at least there's some reason for this uh, match to happen. So early on, um, Amelia McKenzie's working on Isla Dawn's arm. We get a shotgun dropkick by McKenzie, followed by a swinging neckbreaker for a two count. 
um, then a Saito suplex a bit later by Isla Dawn, and then a leb, I called it a leg trap back suplex by McKenzie, and then a spear for a two count. Another shotgun drop kick uh, sends Dawn to the outside, and McKenzie follows it up with a suicide dive. McKenzie then misses a top rope splash. Dawn immediately pretty much hits her spinning side slam finisher, which I don't love, but whatever, I, I guess. I don't even remember it. No, I can't. No, still don't. And she picks up the win here. And then for whatever reason, Isla Dawn does return um, Amelia McKenzie's watch to her. So I don't know why, but I kind of enjoyed this match probably more than you, I'll I'll guess. Uh, I like Isla Dawn. I think... Yeah, I don't, I don't... I think her character's just kind of odd. Like, I don't see what exactly she's supposed like to be. a seems like a little too supernatural as well like she's like a, a witch but like a realistic witch I, like a wiccan sort of is there such thing as a realistic witch but well she's not like casting spells and doing magic and stuff right they, so they said the spell a couple times though, yeah like mentioned like so i don't know it's kind of weird i don't think she's great in the ring either. and I, she had a match with mako a while ago that i really enjoyed and she kind of won me over so i like isla dawn i, I that's just mako pulling a tom could be. They're, they're pulling a tom mcgee on you it could be and I think Amelia McKenzie's good in her role as like the competitive enhancement talent who gets more. It's she doesn't just get squashed; she actually hits some stuff, and she's new, known she's as kind of the stepping stone to Mako. I think her middle name or her nickname is like um, what did they call her? Suplex Millie or something. So she's known for a lot of suplexes. So I I don't know. I kind of enjoyed this a little bit. I think we then get Amal. She's responding to Ginny's earlier promo. And Amal's basically saying it's about representation, and Amal has not forgotten where she's come from. She is hope, and hope never dies. Your thoughts compared to Ginny? I don't think well, it was as strong. I think that that final line is factual, because considering I have watched Star Wars before. Um, but yeah, it was okay. Ginny definitely beat her in this. Yeah, I think exchange. so too. But I didn't think this was bad. It was a nice no, quick response right. to Ginny. Yeah. And honestly, they've done a pretty solid build to this like mid-card women's feud, right? Like I don't think it's been bad at all. It's not taking no. up a ton of time. It's pretty simple and straightforward. So I think it's yeah, been a good sure. job. We then get a Dragonov-Devlin package where it's sort of summarizing their previous videos they've had and then also a little bit of new commentary from each of them, I think. So again, the focus has been on... Dragonov being a family man and having a young son at home and Devlin being like the overconfident narcissist like kind of thing. I like point though. He was saying like now Dragonov has a lot more to lose and whatnot right. and he doesn't really like because he's only fighting for himself so he has less to lose which I thought was kind of a, a cool point. Yep. I it's thought, I really it's Devlin treating Dra Dragonov's family as a weakness and Dragonov insisting that they're a strength, right? Which usually, so, like, I'm not, like, but, like, I feel like Devlin seems kind of right for some reason. <laughs> um, Devlin suggests an empty arena match to strip away all of the extra oh, stuff just, yeah. and to truly go one-on-one -on, -one on a level playing field. And, of course, Dragonov, the fighting champion, accepts. And he finishes by saying that Dragonov will breathe in oxygen and breathe out fire. What'd you think? And of the promos, the stip, the build to this, I don't the whole shebang. The stipulation, that's just, it's not, it's never the most interesting stipulation. Like, I see where Devlin's coming from, right. but I just, I don't like think Like, the fans fuel you and whatever, so I'm going to remove those from I the match. I just don't think it's very interesting, period. And also coming off of almost two years of that being the exactly. majority of, like, I'm guarantee if they had, fa if they faced off in 2020, oh my God, it's an empty arena match. Right. I mean, at least they can't say first ever empty arena match anymore. I completely agree with you. Like it's too soon to do this, right? We're just getting past empty arena exactly. matches everywhere. So I like the package quite a bit and I've enjoyed the build to this match and it's a match that I really want to see and I think it'll be pretty awesome. But yeah, the empty arena stipulation, like 
it's too soon, right? We've had we had empty arenas for a very long time across many promotions um, until mm-hmm. they came up with worse alternatives like the Thunderdome Before or whatever. Before finally getting back. But um, so yeah, I I don't understand that stipulation. So I wonder. I was wondering why they went with that over all Maybe other there possibilities. Is a reason, but I, as far as like right now, I don't see right that being very. Like, I don't, I don't see the point. It doesn't add anything for yeah, me. Yeah. Like, it fits um, Devlin's logic, but I don't think it makes the match more interesting for me. For sure. Then we get the main event, which is a kid challenging Noam Actually. Dar for the Heritage Cup. And just quickly to summarize... <laughs> Not no more contenders match. <laughs> quickly summarize the rounds. Round one, we basically had a, du- a lengthy double knuckle lock and a lot of holds and counters, which is pretty standard for these types of matches. Dar spends some time targeting A-Kid's midsection because he has the kin tape on his midsection as a target. And then commentary remind us that Dar is trying to win in the fourth round, right? Because he and Shaw Samuels Samuels have bet on Noam Dar to win, and the longest odds were in the fourth round. So his goal is to beat A-Kid in the fourth round to win money. Uh, Round two, we get a lengthy cravat by A-Kid. Dar takes control, goes back to the midsection of A-Kid for a little bit. We get some near falls for each man at this point in this round. And then at the end, Noam Dar misses a pump kick and falls to the floor, but time sort of expires. Uh, Round three, things start picking up. We get a draping guillotine and a really swift kick from Noam Dar. And then we get a bunch of kicks and then a leaping insiguri by Dar. Which which is his finisher. I think it's a Nova Roller. It looks cool. Yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan that he uses an insecurity, but he does nail that pretty nice, yeah, I will say. Uh, yeah, it's it's nicer than most insecurities for sure. Oh, wait, well, 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 Dragonov, though. I said most. Dragonov, okay. I said most. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Dra- I think Dragon. He, he literally ends matches with that, he right? Does. He ends, he breaks people's necks. Is yes. that what it was? <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. He broke his neck with an imagine, <laughs> imagine that's what they go with. He just has a neck brace neck. on <laughs> from uh, an insecurity. Uh, uh, round four. A-Kid goes for submissions. Dar fights out. Lands a really big kick. Samuels pulls Dar out of the way of a dive to the outside, and A-Kid lands really hard there. A-Kid beats the 10 count, walks right into a really nice back elbow from Noam Dar. Yeah, he hit a couple of nice ones. Like Chris Jericho, I hope you're watching this match. Right. Uh, uh, (laughs) Then a knuckle lock into like a back flipping DDT off the top as A-Kid avoids another cheating attempt by Samuels. I think the DDT could have been like, I don't know, I feel like the DDT was kind of meh to like end but i think it was kind of cool that you did that yeah also i'm definitely getting a, the noam dar figure when that comes <laughs> for sure um so there's a fall here at the end of this and obviously the round ends so that makes samuel's really mad because he's not going to win his uh bet that he made so, so basically now where we've got it's one nothing a kid at the end of that round right so round five we get an, no it's one one or Remember, sorry he already won a fall with the Nova Roller. Oh, right. Um, so we're tied up going into the last few rounds or a couple rounds, which is when I find these types of matches always pick up because yeah, now... Yeah, I, w- I wasn't super high on these matches before, but I I'll, like I'll them talk now. about it after. Me too. Yeah. Um, so we get an avalanche, I don't know, arm drag, hip toss by A-Kid for two that looked pretty good. I don't remember. A knee bar by Dar is countered into an arm bar, which knee is... Knee bar by Dar. Knee bar countered into an arm bar, countered into an arm bar, and countered into something. So this was just like two guys that... I like um, what... Like he called it the champagne super knee bar or something. Yes. I thought that Dar's was really funny. funny. Yeah. Um, so this is two guys with a knowledge of a lot of submissions just countering each other as they're frantically trying to get that finishing yeah, um, submission, which is cool. Yeah, you can feel that cool. too, right? Yes. 
Um, German suplex by A-Kid, more submissions and counters, and then a big kick by A-Kid, but time expires in the round. Yeah, it was really nice, too. I forgot. They're like, they flying si- super kick or something. Like, yes. It looks like a really nice, just crisp, like, heel kick or single, like, drop kick. Just really, right like, the face. just crisp. Yep. Uh, the sixth round, so each man, of course, is desperately trying for a pinfall right, at this, this point. because this is the last round, that's regardless. Right. And if it ends in a tie, that's the the championship advantage, and Dar will win, right? right? kind of like an Iron Man match, how that would work. Right. Right, similar to that. So A-Kid takes out Samuels with a dive. We get a big kick and another nice back elbow by Dar for oh my, a two that count. That one was a really good one, Solid. I think. Yeah. A flying super kick out of nowhere by A-Kid for that's a two count. Good. Another... A really nice spinning back fist by Noam Dar, mm-hmm. but A Kid counters the pinfall attempts into an Uma Plata, which is um, like that. It's like that Rings of Saturn kind of really move, good. but then he like he puts his leg over his arm, yes. and just like both of his arms are just like back behind him. It's, kind it's of so like cool. the Venus de Milo, that, yeah, yeah, yeah um, almost, but yeah. with the leg involved. It's so cool. But so Dar manages to hold on and not give up, and time expires. Right, he kind as of applies that in the last ten seconds. Yep. So he's in this painful looking hold. But he holds on, time expires, and Dar retains the cup in what turns out to be a draw and utilizes that championship advantage. Um, so my comments, much like most of these Heritage Cup matches, the first couple rounds are like map-based with lots of holds and counters. And, and nothing it, much happens unless they can try to like sneak a fall, right? And it makes sense because neither man wants to lose the advantage early. Like nobody wants to give up a pinfall or a submission early on. So they're kind of cautious and feeling each other out. So it kind of really makes sense. And then the action picks up as each man, especially the challenger, right? Because he has to win decisively. They start to get frantic to win. So I've, I think you're coming around too. I've started to really appreciate this format as the time limit makes for exciting final rounds, right? Because there is a definite end to this, right? There is, uh, it's a finite amount of time and then things are going to end. So I really they like this they match. They don't even go sudden death, I think. No. Or unless it's, do they? No, because it, it ends in here. A, it ends in a draw and he right, wins. Right, they would have. Um, so I like this match, especially the final two rounds when guys are really trying to pick up the win here. I think uh, this division offers something different and I've really come around and I quite like the structure. And like you're saying, it's like something like it, but it's better than pure rules. Right. And I think you have to, it is for sure. Because pure rules like leans into that a little much. And right? it also means you have to have people that can wrestle in this division. Right. right? So you're because there's so like many, so many holds and counters and counter moves. And they and can things. always plan to fit in the show because it's like, yes. if you, even if it's a draw like this, then it's a certain amount of time where like it goes yep. shorter than a draw, right? Like yep. it has to, like they can at least plan for however long. I'm surprised how much I like the format of these yeah, matches. Yeah, I really this like this one. I definitely like. I I never thought he was bad or anything, but I ended up really loving Noam Dar he's after this. Very entertaining. Yeah, and his no, character he, works really good too. He was just crisp in the ring too. Yep. He just like the Nova Roller. I shouldn't like that, but it was very a very nice and scary. Um, but he was just on point. I think A Kid's pretty nice too. He's kind yep. of boring outside of the ring in and my Dar's opinion. Dar's in crazy shape now. But compared to... I think. Um, a kid's really awesome in these matches as well. I yep. think Dar, I, I really definitely came around on Dar. Sucks he's only going to get a basic yes. here, but I'll I'll take that. Um, But yeah, really cool. From He's probably going to get released before that happens. <laughs> I agree with you, and I wish they'd ditch the cup and go with the belt, but I guess it's something different. But yeah. you're right. Like, it's Shaw Samuels carrying it around for Dar, which right. whatever. And like, they could still call it the heritage rules, right? Yep. And then like, the heritage the championship right. is fine. I, I don't yeah, care. Yeah, even that, the NXT UK heritage championship, boom. Yeah, done. done. I think the cup is just not great. I don't mind that's like 
Because what you could, what they could have done is you have a Heritage Championship and the Heritage Cup is like a number one contender tournament that they do every year. Right. Like that would honestly be awesome. I would love that. Just a year, you have a yearly Heritage Cup, you have the championship. Perfect. I don't love the cup as a title, but I do want something like this because I think the matches are nice. So um, if the cup is what you have to do, then that's what you have to do. And it kind of becomes like this is the work rate division, right? Like these are the guys that really the, have to be able to work title or it's not right? going to work. Um, so, yeah, I thought this was a really enjoyable main event. And I, obviously, I really liked it, yeah. obviously it leaves the door open for a rematch, right? Because we got to a draw. So I'm totally fine with seeing these guys do this again. That's true. I didn't even think of the, about that, but we could have another match. Yep. Um, so overall thoughts, I like this episode, the opening tag match I thought was solid, but not spectacular. Um, I like the women's match maybe even more than I should have. And I thought the main event was really good. And then the segments and vignettes are really strong on this product. Um, I like the Gallus D Familia one, the Dragonov Devlin one and Davenport. So really easy show to watch for me an hour that kind of flew by. I gave it a B plus this week. Um, if the opener had been a little bit more interesting, it could have gotten in the A range, but the main event and the and the vignettes I thought were really good. So I'm kind of getting more into this product as we watch I'm it more consistently, yeah. right? Like I'm, I would also we also forgot to mention Noam Dar's got a nice theme song as well. Because I gave you the option of maybe we opt out of it this week and we could talk about Impact, but you're like, no, I kind of wanna, and I feel the same way. Like it's only an hour. Yeah, because I only half watched Impact, but I I definitely am happy that I did decide to go with this because I think the the heritage match was really awesome yep i was very happy did you uh want to slap a letter grade on this show yeah um so i think from a match standpoint it was fine i think the tag match was all right the women's match is just kind of st- a standard squash and then the um the main event was awesome i think uh that was like i feel like as long as they have a strong main event i'm pretty happy with the show right it's a short show exactly uh the Ginny promo i really enjoyed the gal is yes. segment that's cool that should be a nice match next week i assume that's the main event they've been really so. delivering on the main events lately which uh i always appreciate um just because dynamite like especially kind of let me down this week with the main event so it's always good to end on a high right absolutely so, um there's also that the dragon of devlin segment was cool is that next week too I think Devlin Dragonov. Wow, if it is, that's a stacked show. Then. Yeah, because then that's but, the main event. Then, yes, my for bad. sure. Um, but that, so then that, that'll not be sure. good too. Anyways, um, the Davenport uh, promo was fine, and Amal was alright as well. But overall, a pretty good show. Uh, by their standards, I think it was like pretty good. So I, I don't know. I'd give it a B plus yep. by their standards for sure. And I think what we're sort of settling into is we're gonna get cool videos every week and it won at least really good wrestling match and in an hour that's pretty solid that's stuff can right? ask, so, that's probably what you'd get from nxt at the very least right back in the good old days yep. so i'm starting to kind of feel good about nxt uk and i'm kind of enjoying it the way i used to enjoy nxt back in its even before its glory days before it got to be super indie it would kind of it felt definitely this, feels like nxt like, in its glory days for me like a little bit like I, I not as much super indie but um and i feel like they can also like salvage people from nxt main yes. who aren't being used like oh my god pete dunn would make a killing exactly. in the heritage cup division. exactly because i don't maybe he, they don't want him to go back like i feel like a he could go he he hasn't been heel in nxt kid before i don't know i don't think because so. he was face and then he teamed with dragon off which i think was his last match Remember, he was like a producer for a bit ish. Yeah. Um. But anyways, he doesn't. He could be heel against Dragonov. That would be awesome. And that guy would be a beast in the Heritage Cup. Match. He would. Oh my God, that would be insane. I mean, he would look kind of. St- I don't know how he's gonna hold a cup in his mouth, but. And I feel like there is. 
it's a combination of you've got like established really good wrestlers in UK and then you've also got some people that do you, still need development and like up and coming talent pool. but they're actually wrestlers already right it's not like this is a football guy that we're gonna make you watch <laughs> go from zero to wrestler right, right. so it's people who are wrestlers. just getting more exposure and getting more seasoning but are actually wrestlers already so I really like it I've quite enjoyed it mm-hmm, agreed but anyways let's move into talking about other wrestling stuff in our segment called any other wrestling business all right so all i'm really going to talk about for any other wrestling business this week is nxt fast 2.0 i did watch a bit of mlw nothing really stood out to me i'm struggling i want to get into it we talked about it a bit um, i do kind of but i i i was saying too like i feel like i'm gonna end up only caring about the people that i know like right. i i don't care a lot about most of the people that they have i don't i feel like it's kind of hard to understand what's going on too and just like kind of uh get into it really like i yes. feel like it'll be like the it's like um what tna always wanted like you you come because you recognize people or right whatever. Like, i'm and, struggling like i've yeah. checked it out and watched a good chunk of it but and they're partly trying to do the lucha underground thing again and it's not nearly as interesting this time around so I'm struggling a bit with it, so I'm not even going to really talk about it here. But I am going to talk about NXT 2.0, which will be fun for you because you like when I suffer and get annoyed with things. And let me tell you, man, this was an episode where it became abundantly clear that NXT 2.0 is is simply Raw Jr., right? And with the same people now officially in charge of both shows, it should really come as no surprise, right? It's the same people doing the same type of stuff just with worse wrestlers and worse talent basically right so it's tough um full disclosure i fell asleep three times during this show had to go back to find out where i dozed off so i did watch every minute of it i did it for you listeners because i'm hoping you guys are not watching this crap um so i'm here to quickly recap so you what, get to hear about it well i consider a mess of a product so um it starts out with la Knight. He's shown entering the building. He's asking Andre Chase where his student, or and his student, sorry, who we learn, learn later, later, his name is Bodie, I think it is. So he's asking them where Grayson Waller is. Um, and then he says a quick hello to Briggs and Jensen and heads towards the ring. So then he is in the ring. He does his best dollar store rock impersonation, right? And tries to get a Grayson sucks chant going, which doesn't really get going. He summarizes he and Waller's history together, and eventually Waller's music cuts Why the night off. Why did they start Because they, they had a match for they the host. They both wanted to be the host. And then they, and Waller started hosting anyways, and they just, and then they got beat up by Solo Sokoa. That then, is some story writing, some storytelling right there, man. Indeed it's amazing. It is. So Waller comes out, and he's got a restraining order. And LA Knight can't come within 50 feet of Waller without getting arrested, despite the fact that the majority of this segment has Knight well within the 50 feet of Waller. Well, but he's anyways, informing him about the restraining I guess. Order. So <laughs> as of now, starting now, you can't get near me. <laughs> right. Uh, Knight praises Waller for being a little bit clever, but says that Waller doesn't have a restraining order against him. And then, of course, Loomis is Tron. So Knight is friends with loomis now so loomis's tron hits his music hits 
Waller is obviously looking scared and stares up the ramp, but guess what? Loomis appears from under the ring right behind Waller. Knight says that Waller can either tear up the restraining order or face Loomis. Mm -hmm. So here's one of my favorite things to say. Are we to believe that because LA Knight says so, it is now that's the only choice Waller has? Like super, yep. super well, who, mega. Who else is going to say it? Super mega heel Waller can't just go no and walk away, right? Like LA Knight's options are legally binding options, apparently. Right. So he either can rip up the contract and get his butt kicked by LA Knight, or he can face Loomis instead because there is no authority figure, right? And the wrestlers just constantly make their own booking decisions on this show. Super annoying and a constant reminder, right? For me that they're not even trying to make this feel realistic in the slightest. So here's the options. Either they're writing this for children who would yeah. never ask the type of questions we're asking, or they think the audience is stupid, or mm -hmm. they're just lazy and don't really care. All of the above. So from my perspective, none of those options are good, right? Like this doesn't make sense. Why doesn't Waller just go, no, you can't tell me what to do and walk away and it's the over. dumbest people on the planet so this felt really main roster right out of the gate we basically get a 10 minute talking segment to start the show um la knight at this point he's just really unoriginal and clearly going for like an attitude era vibe um and i find it forced and irritating he's like over the top and kind of dialed his character up to 11 and on a show where almost everyone else is still trying to like find a character it comes off as jarring to me because they're just like emerging, developing characters. And here's this guy like just cranked up to 11, right? So I thought Waller did a solid job in his role. But I mean, this was just like, again, a main roster light segment to start the show. So we then get the match. It is Grayson Waller. He actually defeats Dexter Loomis in what I think was a pretty basic WWE style match with nothing much of significance happening. Um, we do get, I guess, significant a big guy in a suit who is apparently Siraj, formerly of Indushir, right? So he shows up and he runs Dexter Loomis into the ring post outside on the floor at one point, And that is all Waller needs to hit his rolling cutter from the apron into the ring for the win in just under 10 minutes. So I felt like the match was fine. It was probably more about introducing... Uh, Siraj, I don't know if that's the name they're even going with because commentary had to do the WWE thing where they've never seen this guy before. Who's this? Right? Oh my gosh. Who is this giant man? So um, it's something that we will get a lot this week is where it's kind of like the match is secondary to some of the storyline. And one of the reasons I dislike this show so much, not to spoil my overall thoughts on it, but I think I already have. <laughs> so I guess Grayson Waller has his heavy, right? He has his diesel, his bodyguard, which makes huh. sense because he's angry. No, I think this is Ada Shazanala. Because he's like pissing off literally everybody on the show. So I guess his feud with Knight continues. Hooray. Uh, then Malcolm Bivens is backstage from earlier. He's talking about how the Creeds will run through the tag team division. He takes a quick shot at Imperium. And Walter shows up and pins Bivens to the locker. Strong, uh, Roderick Strong Who comes in. Who is this Walter you speak right? of? Right, for now he's Walter. <laughs> so Strong shows up to save Bivens, says he's not afraid of Walter, and that's how we get our main event match tonight, which is the only thing interesting on this show. Yep. Um, so again, it's a fine segment, I guess, but it feels a little bit juvenile, like it's the high school 
you know, you're bullying the guy in the locker room sort of thing, and Roddy's the one that stands up to the bully kind of thing. So, again, kind of fits in with this juvenile feel, but Walter is believable as an intimidating bully monster, So, and it sets up what should be a good match in the main event. So there were a lot of worse things on this show than this segment. We then get a Dusty Cup hype video with each team getting a few seconds to say a few words, which I'm not going to go over, but who are the teams in the tournament? Do you know? Uh, okay, okay, I got this. Ready? Because um, there's only what? One, two, three, eight, I think. Eight. Yeah, so uh, what do we got? Briggs and Jensen. Briggs and Jensen is correct. Imperium. Cor- no. No, wait, sorry, never mind. How dare um, you? MSK. MSK is correct. Jacket time. Jacket time is correct. Uh, did I already say the creeds? You did not say the creeds. Okay. Oh, okay. Then Diamond Mine, creeds. Right. Uh, Anafe and the other guy. Yep. Uh, Blade. Anafe and Blade. Um, Legato. Legato's correct. And um, one more. Um. Oh, no, sorry. Two more. Oh, um, Andre Chase and Bodie. Correct. And uh, a veteran team, no pun intended. Oh, right. Grizzled Young Veterans. Right. So there's they your teams. win. The Grizzled Young Veterans, the creeds. Briggs, Jensen, Jacket Time, Hayward and Chase, Legato, Blade and Afe, and MSK. That's such a weak roster. So it was actually a good little package just to basically introduce or remind us who the competitors are in the tournament. So again, compared to a lot of things, I didn't have much of a problem with this. We then get MSK, their backstage being their annoying selves, talking about how they will have a banger of a match against Jacket Time in the first round. Yeah, that's what people say. That's how people talk. They get interrupted by Legato, and the two teams talk to each other in a way that real humans don't speak. Uh, But this is just main roster crap now, so we may as well get used to it. Legato say that if MSK beat Jacket Time, they'll face Legato in the semis, and MSK remind Legato that they first have to beat Anafe and Blade. So for me... This pretty much telegraphed that match because Anafe and Blade are on this story of like, we're the underdogs who are winning matches and you've already got the heel team overlooking them. So gee, I wonder what could possibly happen in their match that's coming up. Um, So I didn't think this was good. I thought everybody sounded pretty stupid here in a conversation that felt like, how would I describe main roster? Scripted and unrealistic, right? And that's exactly what this felt like. So we do get that match. It's Dusty Cup first round match. Actually, not that one yet, sorry. It's Briggs and Jensen taking on the Creeds. So early on, Brutus takes a knee from Jensen that looked legit to me. Like, I think Brutus got kneed in the face directly. His mouth guard flew off at this point, and his mouth was bloody for the rest of the match. So I think he basically took a straight knee to the face um, from Jensen here. Um, But anyways, Jensen eventually gets taken out on the floor. That leaves Briggs alone to take a torture rack slam into a sliding clothesline from the Creeds for the win in five and a half minutes. So I thought this match was okay. There was a little bit of sloppiness along the way. I do think that the Creeds have potential, right? They move really well. They're both big guys. They have an amateur background. They can throw people and hit suplexes. Some of their stuff looks really good. Briggs and Jensen are just brawlers. Yeah, it sucks that the Creeds, like, they kind of came at the wrong time because they're kind of, they're decent, right? They are like, decent. So. I think they'll be one that um, will get built pretty quickly. And again, they're a tag team, right? So WWE hates tag teams. So no matter they're what. They're also a brother team, though, which right. seems to be so like possible, a, yeah. um, a thing for them. So Briggs and Jensen are just brawlers that really simple. Uh, one of my criticisms is their double team offense. Like, one, they do a double team shoulder tackle. Ooh. And then the other one, they do a double team where they slide out of the ring and punch the guy who's hanging in the ropes, which 
I forget which Creed brother it do, uh, did it this time, but it looked really contrived and kind of silly. So right. not a great match and a five-minute right. tournament match. We then get a Dante Chen vignette. Do you remember him? Yep. Yep. He has been gone for some reason, although he's on two he of five a couple times. So he basically had his debut match, but then wrecked his knee shortly after that. And he's been, um, he said it's been hard basically watching his colleagues have success as he sits on the sidelines. He then goes on to talk about his father, who is his biggest fan and mentor. He died two months ago and only got to see his son have one match. He has a father to make proud and a country of Singapore to represent, and he's ready to compete. So I actually liked this segment. I thought his delivery was pretty good, and it felt real, which is what I always like. I honestly don't even remember his first match, but at least they provided... He won with a wing clipper, and you beat Trey Baxter right. in like a minute. At least they provided some character development for this guy, and I always appreciate any effort to sort of add depth to wrestler's character. So we learned some real stuff about him here. I kind of liked it. We then get a subtitled conversation between Imperium backstage. Walter says that Eichner and Bartel have done well, and they say they're going to keep it up, and this is the year of Imperium. Today is the day they start their mission. They dominated the UK, and today the rest begins with Roderick Strong. So a solid, very quick segment. Pretty generic content, but it was fine. And again, I like that they're speaking in foreign languages with subtitles. I think that is just... A, I think the message is that they don't care if anyone in America can understand them because they're a heel group, right? And they're talking to each other. They're not talking to fans, which I kind of like. And they're probably more comfortable speaking in this language anyway. So they come across a little better. We then get the return of Dante Chen as he faces Guru Raj, who I don't remember or know he's, if we've seen him. He's a jobber. Is he? Okay. He, he, so Raj gets a bit of offense right away. And then Chen eventually hits a dive over the top to Raj on the floor. And then Duke Hudson emerges from the crowd, attacks Raj to get Chen DQ'd in less than a minute. So welcome back, Dante Chen. You get a less than a minute match. He then goes on to attack Chen in the ring, power bombs him before officials get involved. So again, just another match to set up an angle. The match doesn't matter. Wrestling doesn't matter. It's all about the stories that they're telling. It's just too bad that the stories are terrible and the dialogue is terrible. So you're really getting nothing out of this show. Um, it seems like on the plus side, Hudson has dropped the poker gimmick. He did not come out in a sequined vest. He did not make any reference to poker or anything. So, And I will say that Hudson looked pretty vicious in his attack. So maybe that's something to cling on to in this dumpster fire of a television show. Dumpster fire. Backstage, Joe Gacy's talking with Harland about how they didn't get into the Dusty Cup. He's not mad with Harland. He's just disappointed. But this is an opportunity for growth and development. Odyssey Jones shows up on crutches or maybe only one crutch. He thinks that Gacy's full of crap. Gacy thanks Jones for his feedback, which I thought was funny. Opens the door for Jones as Jones leaves. So Gacy walks off and Harland, because there's like a window in the door. So Gacy walks off as Harland is sort of staring at Jones as he walks away. Leading us to wonder, what is Harland going to do? Uh, so I like Gacy's work here. Even though Harlan barely does anything, I find him really effective as the intimidating monster just kind of standing there. I think Jones was the weak link in this segment. He barely did anything, but I guess they're just trying to keep him on TV as I think he is actually nursing an injury for real. So I guess this gets him on TV. Mackenzie's then talking to Braun Breaker backstage about be being the NXT champion. She asks about Breaker's interaction with Santos Escobar. And Electra Lopez walks up and interrupts. 
Breaker just immediately shuts her down and tells her she's not interested. And then Santos Escobar shows up next. He says that Breaker's not ready to carry NXT and that NXT 2.0 is going to look better with the title on Escobar's shoulder. Fat chance, unfortunately. Breaker responds, asks Santos to give him a reason to kick his ass, but Escobar says that things are done on his time. So I think Breaker's like passable on the mic or maybe a little bit better than that. He's not great, but he's not terrible either. Escobar sounded good and he looks like a star and Lopez in her limited role in this one was fine as well. Then it's Tony D'Angelo. He's going to have a memorial ceremony for Pete Dunne. I'm wondering if this is the writing off of Pete Dunne. Where's he going? Main know. roster. I don't know. This felt like so. There's a coffin in the so, ring. So yeah, he it, it it is a funeral for him, I guess. If yeah. he's going to main roster, right? Literally, uh, coffin in the ring with the broken crowbar on top of it. A framed picture of Pete Dunne posing is set up in the corner. We've got dramatic music going on. Um, D'Angelo's dressed in black. It's a full-on funeral, whatever. So Dunne didn't listen. So D'Angelo taught him a lesson. The casket is closed since D'Angelo broke the crowbar, crowbar across Pete Dunne's face. Tony says he's on to bigger and better things now. He just got done beating one of the most decorated champions in NXT history. Is that a key fact check that for me? What? How many championships does Pete Dunne have in NXT? Two. Okay, so I guess that's a little decorated. Yes, too. Yep. Well, he was UK champion for a second longest time, and he was technically an NXT Tag Team champion. That's briefly. the only one I remembered. I don't know if they're counting UK. I guess so. Anyways, he says it's time to add some gold to his collection. He's got his eyes on the NXT North American Championship. Well, that doesn't sit well with Mello and Trick, who they show up up in the stand somewhere with microphones, and now they go back and forth with D'Angelo. Uh, actually, Trick Williams made me laugh a couple times on his um, what he was saying, believe it or not. So Cameron Grimes eventually walks out as well. Grimes says he's first in line, etc. Uh, and then the segment ends with D'Angelo making a match, because that's what you do, between Grimes and Carmelo Hayes. Um, or sorry, yes, for... No, it's going to be um, a match between himself and Cameron Grimes for a shot at the North American title, because you can just make your own matches here. So D'Angelo then tries to attack Grimes and gets Pete Dunne's portrait slammed over his head to end the segment. What I did like about D'Angelo here is when he sold getting hit with the picture, which we can see is just made of cardboard. He didn't sell it like he was hurt. He sold it like he was like humiliated and embarrassed, which I thought was a good choice. Um, so I don't know. Overall, D'Angelo's character is still just makes me cringe as much as it usually does. I thought Mello was good. Trick is actually improving. Um, he's sort of settling into a more appropriate role for himself, and I thought he was kind of funny here a couple times. And Grimes is a little bit more serious than he has been, which I appreciate still. But yet again, wrestlers have the power to make their own matches, even a match that doesn't involve them personally, which I think is kind of dumb. <laughs> so Briggs and Jensen aren't happy about their loss. This is so bad. Oh my god, this segment. So they're mad about their loss, but Briggs says they'll be all right and they just have to get back to work. So Casey, Cat and Zero, and Caden Carter come in and say that the four of them should go out and party together. Wendy Chu, obviously, is napping on top of the lockers oh, behind them. Oh, oh, imagine she was uh, planking. <laughs> and she wakes up and says, because again, this is a show for adults about adults, 
that ooh Jensen likes Caden Carter. So that's the story right, we're going I with. I saw only the, the her line. They put a clip, and that was only her. Oh, line. you missed the best part because then Jensen gets all t- like tongue tied, like, "Oh, I like her, but not in that." Well, I don't like her. Well, no, it's not that I don't like her, but I don't like her. Like just that whole, and he's really bad, like a school child. So he's acting like a twelve year old here. Uh, he likes her, but doesn't like her that way, sort of thing. Uh, and it just kind of ends with him stumbling. So I hated this. And I don't know, are, are Carter and Cat and Zero heels? Because you have this baby face tag team saying, we just need to get back to work. And then they come and go like, no, you got to come out and party with us instead. So I don't know. I don't know. Jensen's behaving like a child. This was horribly written, brutally delivered. I'm not sure who this segment is for. And it's just it's just bad television. And I don't think that's like a subjective opinion. It's just, just bad TV. It is. Uh, we then get... Um, what is it, Valentina Feroz and Talisa Leon? Ulisa. Ulisa, sorry. It should so, be Feroz, man. Feroz just sounds well, unnatural. Her name's her name. I don't know. Yeah, I know. Um, they get a vignette where they talk about Feroz being a black belt in jujitsu and Leon being an accomplished powerlifter. And then they sort of um, have them talking to, I think it's Mackenzie after the little vignette. So they say they're two badass women who fight hard and play hard. They have different nationalities and backgrounds, but the same goals in NXT, and that is the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships. Dakota Kai walks up laughing, says they're adorable, and again uses that line of nothing divides friendship more than success. Um, so Feroz asks what Kai's problem is. Kai says she'll make it her problem, so it looks like those two are going to get a match tonight. Um, so again, I liked learning about Feroz and Leon's backstory about their um, sort of athletic prowess and things related to professional wrestling. So I thought that was good. Their live promo was not quite as good, but that's okay. I think they still did a decent job. It wasn't as bad as someone like Jensen or um, the other big guy we love so much. Wagner. Yes, yeah, so better than them. Ah, you forgot his name. And I still can't stand Dakota Kai's current character, but this felt a little bit more subtle this week, so I didn't hate it quite as much. But so good package, decent promo. Poor Dakota Kai. We then get Kaylee Ray taking on Ivy Nile. So right out of the gate, this made me nervous because I don't think either of these women should be losing at this point, right? So I assume there's some sort of screwy finish coming, but that would never happen, right? It's all going to be straight up wrestling on this show from now on. Nope. Yep. So the finish comes uh, after about four minutes when Mandy Rose comes down to distract uh, Kaylee Ray and Ivy Nile counters a KLR bomb into a roll-up for the win. So another oh, yeah. match. Roll-up victory. Yep, distraction roll-up, bud. They're coming fast and furious here. So another match where the angle's more important than the match itself. Um, and we get the favorite main roster finish bought to us, a distraction roll-up. The match itself was fine, I guess. Niall needs some work, but she does have some massive potential. I'm just already so annoyed by this whole, like, we can't have matches. It's all got to be even, Steven. Nobody can actually win a match legitimately, right? It's all got to be shenanigans. So, great. After the match, Toxic Attraction continued to attack Kaylee Ray until Persia Parada and Indy Hartwell run down to make the save. And they stand tall with Kaylee Ray. It's Kaylee Ray's from the UK and they're Australian. Boom. I do not like Kaylee Ray in this role. To me, she's a lone wolf, like the unpredictable sort of person. I don't want her forging a relationship with Hartwell and Parada. It just felt awkward to me. On the plus side, it seems like the Hartwell-Loomis stuff is kind of in the rearview mirror now because neither Loomis nor Hartwell made reference to any romantic stuff yeah, on the show. Yeah, so what's, what was the point of that? Well, just for entertainment's sake. It was super entertaining while it lasted. Right. Nope. 
Um, so then we go backstage and Harland has clearly attacked Odyssey Jones. Jones is lying on the floor, clutching his injured knee. Um, and I believe Harland standing behind them with a bent crutch and Gacy is just grinning and he and Harland leave. Oh boy. Saray. Did you watch this at all? Did no, this come across I, your stuff? Um, I'll, t- I'll talk about that. Cause I told you, I remember I showed you the 2k20 character. Yeah. So yeah. Saray is Sailor Moon. I don't know if you know who Sailor Moon is, but anyways, she tells us she's, she's kind of dressed like a schoolgirl in like yeah. pigtails and the whole deal, which and is she's got glasses. And so if anyone wants to know what she looks like, Search up um Sasha Memory Banks from 2K20, um with which is from 2K Originals. If anyone doesn't know, that's basically like the DLC packs that they had for 2K20. They were all like based on some weird concept. Like one of them was Wasteland, one of them was futuristic, right? One of them was Southpaw, and so the it's Sasha Memory Banks, which is just like a nerdy girl kind of. Yeah. And it looks exactly like what Saray looks like here. Yeah, so she talks about struggling in NXT and she didn't really win much. So she went back to Japan and you know what she got? She got a necklace that her grandmother gave to her. And now inside the ring, she's the warrior of the sun and she's returning she was with passion the warrior of the sun. and energy. Well, now she's got the necklace as a power up, man. How dare you? Oh, it's a How power up. Like, so are we doing like Mario now? So I feel like this is going to be the necklace has some sort of powers and I'm going to hate it, but <laughs> I don't know yet, right? So I guess we'll see. I wouldn't put it past them. I mean, like we got Boa over here. We got like... I don't know what Zaylee's doing on SmackDown, but but after hearing some good backstory earlier, right for Chen and Faraz, Faroy, sorry, and Leon, this felt completely scripted and ridiculous. In addition, she's dressed like a schoolgirl and kind of acting as though she's almost a child. So I'm kind of not sure what I'm supposed to think about this, other than it was really, really bad. Um, I wasn't super impressed with Saray before. Like her drop kick in the ropes looks good, but. She didn't stand out to me in her I brief she time. Had a couple good matches, but um, but this new character looks terrible. It looks awful, yeah. Um, Dusty Cup first round match: Legato versus Blade in Anafe. So this uh, caps lock this tag team tournament match went three minutes. So the first one went five minutes. This one went three minutes. Escobar trips Blade from the floor. Doesn't get DQ'd. He just gets. Braun Breaker shows up, grabs Escobar from the apron, and carries him into the back. And then Wild gets rolled like up. Like a little child who's throwing a fit. So Wild is distracted by this. And guess what happens? Roll up. He gets rolled up by Blade. So the story of Blade and Anafe, like I told you this, the story of them stringing together like underdog wins, I don't think it's a bad idea at all. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think that Blade and Anafe could turn into a pretty good babyface team. But this three-minute match they won by distraction makes them look more like a fluke right like it's not like they won by their own actions and abilities and potential they won because somebody else distracted the guy and they rolled him up so second distraction roll up of the night it's disgusting it's so gross Mm -hmm. uh roderick strong shadow boxing backstage as biven talks about how diamond mind is two for two tonight and then they'll become three for three when strong wipes the mat with walter Walter thinks the mat is sacred, but it's not. It's just a revenue revenue generator for Bivens. Uh, Walter is big and strong, but tonight the mat belongs to Roderick Strong and Diamond Mine. I don't have much to say. Bivens is really good, right? All of his promos are good. He's an awesome um, yeah. manager. So moving on. Solo Sokoa has a bandage over half his face from the fireball last week. Um and he basically, eventually we see him without his bandage and it looks kind of silly, like basic makeup stuff on here. He says next week he doesn't care where they go. Next week they go to war. 
I don't know. Sokoa's fine on the mic. He's fine in the ring. I didn't see any stipulation for it. Is there a stipulation? I didn't, I didn't hear so one, though. what's the point of having another match? Shouldn't they at least make some sort of change to it? Well, if, if it's like main roster, they'll just tell us in the moment. They don't actually like promote anything. And if they do, they right. switch that anyways. So I could see WWE liking Sokoa and him being gone from NXT pretty quickly. Because I think he's solid all around. I don't think he's and amazing. And he has but... a ready-made spot. Exactly. And he's got connections. We then get the Dakota Kai versus Yelisa Leon. So Kai won this with a kick after four minutes. Uh, Kai continues the attack afterwards, but the faces obviously run her off here. Um, Kai's running boot wash in the corner looked really bad. Might have been the camera angle, but I think Leon was a little bit nervous taking it and kind of moved her head back out of the way. So it looked like it missed. However, I will say Leon had a really nice looking gut wrench suplex that was really fast and impactful. And then she did like a fallaway slam where she doesn't release and holds on for a bridging pin attempt, which I thought looked cool too. Nice. Otherwise, a decent four-minute match, I guess. I'm glad Dakota Kai got a win here. Raquel Gonzalez says that she she could make excuses for losing, I guess, but she won't, and she's still going after Mandy's title. Cora Jade interrupts and suggests that she and Gonzalez should be a team in the Dusty Cup because you can just make those decisions on your own, right? You just declare that you're in it, and you're in it, I guess. Right. Raquel says she likes Cora, but Jade better not get in her way again, so thanks but no thanks to the tag team offer. Gonzalez walks off, and Jade leaves us saying that she will convince Gonzalez eventually. Why? Cora Jade's awful. I don't like these two together it Why really want to do that i don't know it really feels like a waste of gonzalez to me i know cora jade's really young but at this point i don't see potential inside or outside the ring um i'd be thrilled if she proves me wrong like i'd love nothing better than to later on say she's awesome because people have done that like i wasn't big on dakota kai when she showed up wasn't big on Britt baker wasn't big on serena deeb and now i think all three of those are awesome so there I, i've been wrong many times before but I don't know what they're seeing in Jade at this point. Uh, Anafe and Blade are celebrating backstage, and Braun Breaker walks up to them. He says that he didn't do, this is Braun, sorry, he didn't do anything to really help them, and that the win is all them. He leaves, and they say no matter who they face next, they'll be ready. Uh, I'm kind of okay with Anafe and Blade. They're kind of realistic, right? They're just two guys trying to form a tag team who keep kind of winning surprisingly as underdogs and they celebrate appropriately so it kind of felt like a real interaction which is kind of rare on this show so then main event time quickly walter versus roderick strong walter wins a really good 12 minute match after he counters a double underhook i don't we don't know what roddy was going for uh, some sort of double underhook and he gets power bombed and walter picks up the win here and then, as you reported in the news, Walter interrupts the ring announcer to correct him and say that the Gunther. winner of the match is Gunther. And I groaned Gunther. out loud. Gunther. Gunther. I don't know how to say it. Whatever. A really good 12-minute match. Definitely Gunther. the only match worth watching on this show. Lots of stiff chops along the way because Roderick Strong, back when I was watching him in Ring of Honor, they would continuously put him over as having the hardest chops in the business, right? So between him and Walter chopping each other a really fast pace in this to fill a relatively short main event right I'm glad Walter won but I am still very nervous about how he's going to be used now that they seem to um, have committed to him in North America I have zero confidence that they're yeah. going to do anything with the best wrestler they have in this company in my opinion and I still have Pete Dunne 
So overall grades, the main event pulled this show up to a passing grade for me because it was on pace to fail until that point. All of the other matches were completely missable, like nothing. There was a bland opener, two distraction roll-ups, and basically an instant disqualification. The Briggs and Jensen segment and the Cat and Zero, with Cat and Zero and Carter and the Saray segment were like awful, awful in my opinion. But the Feroz, Leon, um, Feroz, sorry, Leon and Chen segments were actually pretty good. But this show still is a D plus for me. It continues to be an absolute chore to watch. It seems like they're committed to it doesn't matter what happens in the ring. We're all about stories that are terrible and juvenile. And I mean, they're still not attracting a young audience as we talked about in the news. So this show's just bad. Uh, I'm still watching it. I'm still taking brief, brief notes on it. I guess I'll continue to do that for a little bit. But partly it's because I want to see how bad it's going to be, right? Like I just... I'm interested in how low this show is going to sink. Right. So a D plus would have failed if it weren't for Walter and Roddy saving it at the end. Um, I don't know. We watched Impact together. Anything notable? Uh, Tasha beat no. Tasha beat Chelsea Green with a crucifix bomb. I thought it was a decent opener. Um, Cardona tells Gia right he failed at getting the Impact World Championship, so now he's downgrading to the Digital Championship, and he's going to challenge Jordan Grace. I mean. He did. He was the internet champion forever. <laughs> right. Uh, the influence defeated Decay in a short, forgettable match with their tandem no, skull-crushing finale. They beat Havoc. Okay, remember? Yeah, that's right. Because basically, it was a handicap match. Because that was awful. Rosemary did like an injury thing, complete with the ref throwing up the X. So whether it's real or fake, I don't know. But it ended up with Havoc in a handicap match that wasn't very good. Inspiration cut a promo congratulating the influence, even said that the influence are kind of copying them, which we've kind of noted they're very similar, right? Um, Ace Austin tried to get Mike Bailey on his side, and then Johnny Bravo came in and did something dumb. Remember that? Like I don't Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know. Morrissey killed VSK and Zicky Dice, which I didn't love because I kinda like VSK, but he just got squashed by Morrissey here. The Ring of Honor invaders, this time they did the classic, they bought tickets to the show, so you can't stop right. them, right? So Demore eventually lets them in and says they need to leave after the Gresham match. Uh, Gresham defeated Macklin by pinfall with a figure four. And yes, you heard that, right? It was a pinfall with a figure four, right? So Yeah, it was like, well, because he did a lot of damage to the legs, so he's kind of like yeah. lying back in agony. He was leaning on the ropes, or like Gresham was using the ropes for leverage. Which he's allowed to. Rules. Yep. So, I mean, that was kind of interesting. I like this match, right? The pace wasn't super fast, but I still thought it was good. And a contrast in styles. And they did use the pure, pure rules stuff to their advantage because both of them had used all of their rope breaks. So um, that's how it sort of came into the finish there. I thought Macklin came out of this looking strong in a loss. And let me say that Hannafin and Riccoboni as a commentary team was sweet. I like both of those mm -hmm. guys. Um, ROH guys then are shown leaving the arena as security watches them walk out. We got a really boring Doran Gallows defeating Heath and Rhino with a double choke bomb after a pretty weak flagpole shot from Diener. It's pretty much what I expected here. Lots of punches and kicks, right? In a nine minute kind of snooze fest, I thought. I don't, you can just jump in if you have any thoughts mm -hmm. on anything. Alexander defeated Charlie Haas with an ankle lock after 11 minutes. I thought that was decent. Yeah, I thought this was a pretty good match between two good technicians, right? I liked that Haas was attacking the leg I repeatedly. I thought it was really weird that Haas was, was there, but I think it was kind of cool. Haas was targeting the leg. I thought Alexander forgot to sell it at certain times in the match, but I think Alexander gets a quality win as he waits to get back into the main event picture. So I thought this was a, a solid main event. 
Um, it's just too bad that it's an outside talent getting TV time, right, from other people. But uh, no, it was good. Um, and then there was sort of a brawl afterward. And of course, our the Ring of Ring of Honor invaders sort of they came call in. Not Ring of Honor Five, but Maria doesn't do anything, no. so it's kind of. I wish they would actually have a fifth person. Then she just kind of the ballet. And then the members of the Impact roster that they send down to sort of um, get rid of them shows where this feud is, right? So it's not a main event feud. Swan, it's on Edwards, Max, like Eddie Keith, Edwards is Rhino. leading a bunch of mid carters, right? And I'm hoping Alexander was just to there. To be fair, those are ROH mid carters too. So that, it is true um so overall it was a decent show the knockouts match was i thought was pretty solid and i liked the macklin gresham match in the main event uh, both of the tag team matches were unspectacular and the roh stuff isn't doing much for me because it's not their main event players really um the talent involved on the impact side it just revealed like what level that story is right and it's basically eddie edwards and then lesser people so i don't know i thought it was a b show some decent wrestling but nothing really terrible or super notable either and I think that's it for any other wrestling business, right? That's all we've got I this week. So. so let's move into our final segment where Jack's going to update us. Not sure if it's quick or not this week. I haven't talked about what how much you've got, but it's an update from the world of wrestling action figures in figuring it out with Jack. Um, I only have a few things, but um, Unmatched Series 3 went up for Pre-Order Ringside, which is like the Dark Order set. Nice. It's got all the Dark Order people except for... I Who? think Reynolds. What about negative one? No. Oh, no child? No. Uh, there's Brody, John Silver, Uno, Grayson, and Anna Jay. And then there's the LJ and Darby, which I think got delayed. I yeah. Say. But, so, yeah, that's up for period. And then there, they cool. put out some images for that. The WCW Tag Champ Ringside Exclusive Undertaker, mm-hmm. which has the top with the where you can pull the straps down. Yes, that makes your day, right? Yeah. You always love that. Yeah, and then they just need to incorporate that into singlets or right. make them out of cloth. But I think this works better because it's some sort of stretchy material, so then you can stretch them down one. So that's cool. Nice. And you get, like, the WCW tag held, but, like, the, the later version. Mm-hmm. So that I don't think they've done that one yet because they did the older WCW tag title when they did um the Stunning Steve Austin. Right. So this is, like, the later one. So that's Coolio. <laughs> and then uh, there's also they put up the AEW action ring with the, the the UK Cody, which is basically just the the small ring, like the spring loaded mat. Right. But and it was the one with the Cody because this was actually the UK exclusive. So now, like if you're in the US, you can get this UK exclusive Cody easily on ringside. How many Cody cool. figures now? This is one of the early ones. This, so this one's not new. Oh, okay. It's just like it's probably new if you're in the US. So that's right. kind of cool. It's, like a silver Cody with nice. red boots, which is weird. Because he usually wears white boots. He does. Is that it? That is it. That is it. That is it. A very quick update. They've been slacking in the figure development, it seems. Yeah, They don't quick usually ones. have a lot to reveal. Right. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of episode 79. I don't think there's anything extra coming out this week unless something... Uh, Royal Rumble's next weekend. Right. So that will be coming, but we'll definitely be back here That'll next... be after episode 80. Correct. Which will be back for next Saturday, episode 80 coming out then. We appreciate any time you spend listening to the two of us talk about wrestling. We really do appreciate it. We hope to see you back here next Saturday for episode 80. And until then... Take care. Bye.